We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe. Well, he, he's out for this one, but Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. However, this is once again one of our October horror specials. Uh, we've been doing these all month. This is our fifth and final horror special of the month. Um, it's been a lot of fun so far. We've talked about horror adaptations. We've talked the filmographies of George A. Romero and Toby Hooper. We had a commentary track for Child's Play. And just last week, we did a episode focused on children's horror, which was a lot of fun. All these have been a lot of fun. And this week should be no different. We're going to be talking about horror remakes. That's right. The category of horror remakes. We're going to go through some of ones that some ones that we want to you know put a spotlight on, which I think will be a lot of fun. Joining me to talk horror remakes for this final October horror special, we have from Wise to Bloom, the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast. He's put a ring around the rosy on prom night. It's Brandon Peters. Ooh. Uh, Hi. Thank you. <laughs> From Maxwell's Chop House, his, mm. his hills have eyes and a grudge. It's Maxwell Hatted. Hello, everybody. Happy October. And from HHWLOD on the Nothing Is On podcast, this crazy cat person is back from the house on Haunted Hill. It's Jim Dietz. Actually, I'm recording from the last house on the left, but hey. thanks. <laughs> you didn't, Jim didn't. Jim didn't get a. I thought you were gonna do one J horror remake and then one remake, and then you just broke it with Jim. I was like, oh. I realized that as I was, I was like, writing is he gonna them. get Shutter or like, is he gonna get <laughs> Don't worry, I won't hold a grudge. I, I I realized that as I was writing them, and I was like, meh, who needs patterns? <laughs> that'll that'll throw him through a loop. <laughs> that'll, that'll drive Peter's nuts. <laughs> Only old school out now fans will get this one. <laughs> hey Jim, there's no school like the old school. That's what I always say. Word. Just me. Um, all right. Well, how are you guys doing tonight? Great. Above average. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm ready for a remake myself. <laughs> You know what they say in Scream 4, don't F with the original. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we're talking about horror remakes. Um, and ideally ones that I think we'll you know, have some kind of fondness for, or at least appreciate in some way. But we'll see. I, I've, I've asked you guys all to prepare a list of films. I didn't say have any favorites. I just said, you know, ones you want to highlight. So maybe you guys all went for the, the bad ones. I don't know. But we are, in addition to that, we are going to list, we're, we're going we're gonna to chart our, um, what we pick is the kind of the worst horror remake we've seen as well, but we're going to start with the the other ones first. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see where that goes. But let's talk about horror remakes in general first. This isn't a new concept. Uh, I know, what is it, Brandon? Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of set the, kind well, of set things in motion. There's been ones before that, I understand. Go, right go, what before, are you say? before that, uh, Gus Van Sant's Psycho sort of broke yeah. the door open on being like, hey, anything can be remade. And therefore, when Texas Chainsaw Massacre goes to get remade, it's not as drastic because Psycho had been remade. That kind of, that was like, because before Psycho, usually remakes were films that looked really dated or were films that didn't work in the first place. And then you started getting, Texas Chainsaw Massacre wasn't name brand recognition, mostly why it got remade. I mean, the series was in the dumps big time, but with Psycho was the first like, hey, this movie's still good. It still works. It's perfect. Why are you doing this? And once you broke that barrier, anything was up for grabs. Now there's still I movies think, well, that haven't been touched, but they will one day. I almost think it goes past that even because even some some of the things on my list are are movies that originally were from the fifties and then recast in the seventies and eighties as almost. Not different movies, but the same concept reworked for that culture. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, kind oh, of yeah, more, sure. yeah, yeah. more honestly reflect the times. And I think that a lot of times you, filmmakers will go back to the films of their youth or films you know, that they, they identified with and then reapply those concepts onto the times that they are in. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, you know, these kind of things can be slavish. I mean, look at Toby Hooper's remake of, uh, of invaders from Mars, for instance, it's really great, but it's like a shot for shot remake from the fifties. And it really doesn't, you know, reflect what's going on. Whereas I, I don't want to spoil what's on my list, but I have a couple things on there that are movies from the fifties that were totally recast to reflect, uh, like things that we're feeling in the seventies and eighties, uh, yeah, the did... same concept, but reflect more reflective of the time in a different way. Yeah, when I said dated, I didn't mean that necessary good or bad. I just meant like, you know, um, like you said here, like I think dated fits with, hey, let's make this reflect our times with the mm-hmm. remake. That I, was the purpose of of the I, remake. I'm certainly not. I, I know what you're both saying, and I agree with all the points you guys have just made. Um, I think what I was getting to firsthand with like Texas Chainsaws were like speaking to a modern culture. That is one where like you could, you could talk about Psycho, but Psycho wasn't a hit. Texas Chainsaw was a hit. Like, that movie didn't cost much, and it made money. Yeah. It was a big one, and that really did open the gates for... You know, you have things like... Um, uh, Gore, uh, Gore Verbinski's The Ring as well, which is another... You know, it brought J-horror into the world, uh, or into America, at least, as far as remaking those films. But something like Texas Chainsaw, it's like, yeah, that is a... Na- that that does have a... You know, there's a there's an IP there that's been established, and for better or worse, it opened the doors for a lot of other things that may or may not come up in some form. Um, before that, yes, you're exactly right too, Jim, where there are movies that are kind of being reappropriated for the times, which is fitting given the ambition of said filmmakers, um, what they wanted to kind of speak to as far as things like the Vietnam War or uh, McCarthyism or, you know, just a nuclear age, just like any number of things that could kind of reflect the themes and how those would apply to, you know, films made or, you know, that that con- that time when it was contemporary then. And even in general, you look at like the the monster movies, the Universal movies, and mm-hmm. and how like Hammer took on a lot of these ideas, which may or may not come up depending on how you use the term remake. Well, I mean, but the you know all the different iterations of Frankenstein or Dracula or the Mummy or what have you, like these all they all play a part and they all have varying levels of success. So it's it's not a new concept, that's for sure. I mean, we can be, people well, be, people begrudge the concept of remakes, but it's like this isn't something that just suddenly started happening. Right. I have a Why question you... for you guys, like. With remakes, like like you mentioned Hammer, but that's uh, essentially that could be thought of as just a different adaptation of the same book. Yes, yeah. And, and is that a remake per se, or you know, it's it's kind of uh, that's a weird. I kind of my personal list, I steered away from things that were based off of books primarily. I I, I kept with more things that would be a remake be, rather than oh well, that's just a different interpretation of the book or something like that. But I could see it being called a remake too. So it's a, that's a weird sort of ground because we covered adaptation, but adaptation also lends to the remake thing as well. It's a weird kind of line. Is it a remake or is it just a? Would you just consider it? Oh, it's another take on the book. I'm interested in hearing where you guys are going to come down on these kind of things as we kind of get into our list. Max, what are you going to say? Sorry. Well, in terms of what Brandon was saying, I mean, unless you could definitively prove that everyone involved in the new adaptation of the book has never seen the original. I have to believe just based on the way human brains work that if they've seen the original, some aspect of it is going to rub off in their line of thinking in some good way. Point. Good point. And, right. and so it becomes very, very tricky. Like with the best of intentions, you could say, I'm reading this book, I'm readapting it, ignoring the original. And if they've never seen it, great. If not, I have to consider it a remake. 
That's plus, I mean, there there are so many. I'm sorry, there's so many different. I mean, adaptations of Dracula too. I mean, if you look at Todd Browning's you know, Dracula or whatever as you know the first, even which it wasn't. I mean, there was Nosferatu and Embrace of the Vampire and all the other stuff. But like, I mean, you have movies that are. I mean, look at the 1979 Frank Langella Dracula. That's very close to the original movie as far as its adaptation of the book. You know, does that count as a remake? I mean, I kind of painted with more of a broad brush, just kind of more inclusive of remake uh, ideas. You know, I mean, and Brandon, you know, you're you're um, you know, the way you did it is fine as well. But I mean. Because I mean, to, I didn't want to have to split so many hairs, you know, whether right, it's yeah. a remake or an adaptation of a, the same book, or you know what I mean. So I, I kind of cast a wider net, I guess. That's right, a, yeah. What what Maxwell you you said that's an interesting idea to me, as far as not necessarily being a remake per se, as far as <clears throat> uh, being just another adaptation, but as far as how it lingers in your mind, where you have an idea of what one thing is because you saw it this way, but how is it going to stand when you see it another way? That's I haven't really considered that before as like how one would justify what a remake is, but I find that to be fascinating actually. Um, my, my sort of broad scope question would be why do you think more so than other genres horror is one that gets remade so often? Because of the, I'd imagine the kind of the low bar to clear as far as what can get greenlit, what cost there is to do something like this and mix and applying that to, filmmakers that get to be you know um, creative in some capacity where horror gives you such a broad freedom to do things as opposed to other films where it's you know either more difficult because it involves sharp writing or involves a level of emotion you might not know exactly how to tap into but something that's you know to put to cut it short uh, cheap and entertaining horror lends itself that way and there's i mean there's a built there could be a built-in brand or a built-in audience that comes with something like that too those well, are i think those, those are some off the cut off the off, offhand ideas of that but i think at its core and its roots horror also comes from campfire tales and urban legends and passing stories around from different storytellers but even before you know writing it down things would change hands with people adding their own spin on stories and stuff like that um to where there's the the uh the characters and such of like a Dracula or something or something of like an urban folklore um, myths, things like that, that can be spun in different ways. And people want their own interpretations of it with sure. that genre, which I think applies to why it's easy to get something like that greenlit where it's like there, yeah. an, an audience has a vested interest in that genre, no matter what it seems, even if it just comes down to you know a younger audience or an audience that is looking for kind of cheap thrills as opposed to something deeper. That's not to say that a lot of the remakes don't have more going on beneath the surface or even on spray on the surface, but it, I could see you know I could see a studio head saying, "Yeah, that's <laughs> why not? It's not going to cost as much. Do what you want." Like, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, um, anything else we can talk about before we get to our list, or should we just jump into it? I know we can, we've kind of talked about how we've our parameters are, but I, I'd like to do that more as well as far as how we assembled our list so we can do that one by one as I start calling on you guys but uh i do think the uh you know it's funny we're talking about remakes uh, and i've already mentioned this but the kind of uh, the, the there are a lot of kind of groans or bemoaning the, the idea or whatnot when it comes to hearing about a new remake of a film um do you do you guys feel that way like when they do announce certain films in, in like a general sense or do you do you tend to embrace the opportunity to see a new version of something I have no, generally, I mean, barring a few exceptions, I have no stigma towards remakes for the simple fact that 
And I don't mean to cast any aspersions, but I'm a mature, grown adult who recognizes that when something is remade, the original doesn't stop existing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, there may be a few exceptions, but even really bad remakes don't affect the original in any way. It's not like my DVD disappears off my shelf. Um, there are some I may choose not to see, but it, it doesn't anger me in any way. Yeah, I, I one thing with me is there's a lot of with horror. There's a lot of iconic characters I like, and uh, keeping them alive and around, and and getting to still see them in theaters and in movies in, in new iterations, whether I like them or not, is still fun to me. Uh, like, like Dracula Untold, not a good movie, but hey, it's a Dracula. A Dracula movie came out. Someone tried something different, didn't work. Okay, well maybe he'll be back next time with something better. Right. You know. I Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I know I'm not a viewer. I pirate No. I reviewer. Had to watch it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not predisposed either way uh, against or for remakes, but I sometimes I feel like movies don't need to be remade. I don't see the use of it. And I've been proven wrong, too. Like the, the recent Evil Dead remake. I originally thought, you know... There was already one remake of the original Evil Dead. I really didn't feel the need for another one, but the, <laughs> but, but um, I, I watched it. and I thought it was pretty decent, you know, for what it, it did. Something different with the idea. It did, you know, it kind of veered, you know, made its own path, and I, I you know, appreciated that about it. So, you know, I've been proven wrong on that before. But there are just some movies I just think, you know, why are they remaking this? You know, the original is, is still good. You know, it's still just as valid and, and, and well-made. So I guess, I, I guess yeah. one, one thing I don't like is when, if they're going to go for like a, a series off of something or trying mm -hmm. to make more and they just give up right away where I used to love the challenge of like some crazy ass movie sequel got made and you're the guy who's in charge of making the film that follows it and, and, and seeing how they respond to that weird movie that came before it, whether you know, they loosely have continuity. They figure a way to spin out of it or something like that rather than, ah, let's just give up and do another remake. That's kind of on my nerves. And that's more than just the horror genre. That's a that's a thing across the board, too. Right. As um, as Brandon, you know, and you guys know, and most listeners know, I, I'm not against uh, remakes. I'm against bad movies. Um, so it's, <laughs> it's conceptually, no, there's nothing. I agree. I'm with Maxwell. Or I don't. I don't. There's no reason for me to be apprehensive about the concept of a remake if you're going to tell me this is what we're going to do, provided some exceptions that I'd really have to hear to know what I'd really be averse to. Uh, but if I see <laughs> if I see a trailer for something like When a Stranger Calls and I'm like, well, that looks terrible. Like I'm generally going to I'm not I'm not feeling like I'm missing out on much by, you know, choosing not to see something like that. At the same time, I can get more excited for remakes uh, when you tell me that certain people are going to be involved with it, be it, you know, original stars, a certain director or writer that I admire for some reason, various actors that could work out for certain parts. Like these are things that I like to think could get me hyped up for, you know, the potential of a new interpretation of a, you know, something I already like, or even have a, you know, conceptually like as far as the, you know, the, the premise or what have you, something like the crazies, for example, that was one where I'm okay with that remake, but that was one where I was excited because we talked about this on the, uh, or George Romero 
episode where that was a movie where it's like that could stand to use a remake given that concept and i like the i mean they mm-hmm. put tim oliphant in the lead i'm like well that sounds cool and like right. there was a lot of things going there where it's like yeah this seems like a you know a film that's ripe to remake and it comes out and it's fine um but like i was certainly never apprehensive you know about the idea of this is like well that's another that's another chance to do something neat with a premise that i find to be pretty pretty interesting and works for you know what it's trying to do it'd be if they made that movie now i'd be even more interested there's a lot of interesting things in the crazies but you know that's, that's yeah <laughs> but um anyway i i think we should move into our list now i think we've talked enough about the concept of this and i that was entertaining enough Let, let's see what we all have to bring to the table here as far as uh, movies that we're going to be listing um as we go through our first round picks you guys have already kind of laid out but I, I, I you know i'd like to hear any kind of logic you might have applied when you're picking out the films that you did and let's start let's start with jim jim what's the first film on your list First film on my list, and I would be totally remiss if I hadn't had this at the top of my list, is, of course, John Carpenter's version of The Thing. All right. Um, Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley, Keith David, of course, a classic. It was um, originally made in the 50s with James Arness. It's based on the John W. Campbell story, Who Goes There?, which actually had the paranoia aspects to it that Carpenter put back into his version. Uh, the original version of The Thing was pretty much, you know, a... Um, just your, you know, one of the middle monster movies set in Antarctica. This version of the thing brought to bear, you know, the the whole paranoia, the the distrust, the kind of um, you know um, self centeredness of, of the people with you know they're working against and for each other, and the distrust and and um, I don't know, it's just it's a great great movie, and uh, I thought it was streets ahead of its uh, source material. Yeah, the thing is fantastic. I don't think anyone's going to do this. I know it's like I know it's a softball to start with. But, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There, there, there's certain ones I there's certain ones that I both assume would come up, but also purposely left off because like, well, yeah. <laughs> but no, I'm always, yeah, but no. Regardless, right. I'm happy to hear it anyway because I, I I want to. I want I want us. We should be if it if if it didn't come up on a list, we'd be acknowledging the thing regardless because the thing happens to be you know in addition to just a great horror remake, one of the best horror films ever made. So it's like. Yeah. Well, well, sometimes we do these, and and we all intentionally leave ones off because we're like, oh, that's gonna come up regardless. And we get to the end, it's like nobody mentioned this one because <laughs> we were all like, let's get uh, let's you know, get deep tracks on here. Yeah, and that's something I emphasized in you know talking to you guys about this episode, where it's like, yeah, it's I I'm happy to put favorites on here if you want to. That's a cool way to go. Uh, but at the same time, it's like I I like the idea of highlighting some films that might not be you know, inherently thought of when you think of certain subjects, which is why I think our children's horror la- episode last week was a lot of fun too. Cause we did have a lot of kind of different sort of answers between the four of us on that episode. And I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to everything we get here, including, you know, obvious classics like the thing. It's just great to talk about the thing because why not? Now I get to have this picture of Kurt Russell being awesome in my mind while we go through the rest of this list. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, had, you had a lot of like cold war paranoia going on in the eighties mm-hmm. um, that kind of was reflected back from the, I mean, the fifties, of course, you know, very, deep in the cold war or whatever and you know and, and, and the uh, whole you know uh idea of xenophobia and things like that in the 80s you had you had it still and you know this you know making it this microcosm really amplifies that that feeling i mean i mean i could go on and on of course about this movie i'm a huge john carpenter fan obviously and kurt russell as well and you know i, I couldn't say anything that hadn't already been said about it but I mean, like you said aaron if i had left it off my list i would have been very remiss and i'm kind of leading into this idea on most of my picks they're they're kind of recast for for their to kind of reflect what's going on in the times um around them and the thing definitely like i said brought in more the the paranoia aspect uh, the kind of 
the real um, the distrust and paranoia among the group and things like that that the original just really didn't didn't have. I think the uh, the thing might be our first commentary track that we ever did on Out Now. Um, yep. you know, Alan and Jordan were on that that episode, and I it seems like it might be the first one we might do again. <laughs> as far as there's, <laughs> there's so much to talk about with that movie, and. Uh, <clears throat> Yeah, no, it's it's just there's there's so much to say when it comes to the thing as far as everything it does, uh, both thematically and as far as where Carpenter was in his career, where uh, Russell was in his career, the cast in general, how great everybody is in their various parts. But we must move on. Um, mm. Maxwell, what's the first film on your list? Okay, so the first film I'm going to talk about is Let Me In. Oh, uh, good choice. Written and directed by Matt Reeves, who has since gone on to mastermind the uh, superb ladder entries in the of the apes uh, series and i believe we'll be tackling batman next um this oh. is one i was super skeptical about because the original directed by the snowman's thomas alfredson <laughs> uh, was such a, a wonderful swedish film it gave us and all this, the clues <laughs> and this remake came uh so very quickly quickly thereafter so in terms of, you know, changing the context or adapting it to fit the time, there was none of that. But what it did do is it really, I felt, honed in on the beautiful emotional content of the relationship between the two characters, the vampire and the young boy who was bullied. And and by focusing on, on that made this one of the most elegant horror films of recent times. It's so smart and it's so beautifully shot. And it's just those those two characters and their bond and, and how effective that is that I think makes this uh, a really top-notch remake. Plus, you can't go wrong with Richard Jenkins. I um, I got to see Let Me In at an early an advanced screening. It, was, no, it wasn't a press screening. It was before I was doing legit press stuff. It was, But I got to see an advanced screening where uh, Matt Reeves was there afterwards. And the one aspect that I really – and I like Let Me In overall. I don't quite like it as much as Let the Right One In, but I like Let Me In a lot. But one aspect I really liked about the remake was Richard Jenkins' character, the presence of him. Like, he was um, in, in the left, the right one, in his character was like the caretaker uh, to the vampire, um, Ellie. Um, he's very bumbly in that first film, in the kind of way where it's like, how did this guy get this far? And then this is the time where it messes everything up. And this, in the, it let me in. Richard Jenkins, like, he's, there's a big, there's a much greater confidence in his character. And he's, he's very assured in how he handles things, regardless of how things end up for the situation he's in. Um, I really like the portrayal of that specific character. I told that to Matt Reeves, and he's like, good catch, because I had that same exact issue. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it, 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 it's a good, if you're going to reinterpret this film, um, in, in you know, kind of an Americanized way, I, I thought he did a really solid job on this. And this is coming off of uh, Cloverfield, which I, I really liked as well. I, I I also like Matt Reeves quite a bit as far as um, yeah. his, his direction, yep. his directing career is gone. And we all he have nothing gets... but great things to say about the Paul Bear, of course. Um, <laughs> but... Matt Reeves just brings such a an elegance to these films that I think just takes it to the next level. Both of Let Me and and the Apes movies, they're mm-hmm. so thoughtfully put together there's so much intent in every image and every performance that you know the material you wouldn't necessarily think would have so much uh you know thought put into it so he i think he's really a strong director and the performances in this both uh cody smith mcphee and chloe grace moritz three named uh, young actors are just phenomenal the greaves directing strong (laughs) 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 that's, that's another thing too where i've been 
I've questioned the talents of Chloe Moretz on this show before as far as other films outside of Kick-Ass, but Let Me In is a good example of where she excels, I think. I've it, it, it's That's one where I do think the kind of subdued nature of the character really works to her advantage, where she she takes on that persona pretty well. Yeah. And then he would go on to work with Cody Smith-McPhee again in uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, what's your uh, what's the first pick on your list? My first pick is the 1988 uh, remake of The Blob from Chuck Russell. Oh, with nice. Kevin Dillon? With Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith. Shawnee Smith, yeah. Uh, Jeffrey DeMunn. It's a, I still think this movie is pretty horrifying, but it is a practical effects masterpiece uh, of the 1980s, and it's just got some gross stuff. It's got some haunting stuff, and it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty thrilling. Uh, update on the blob fable i mean as is itself <laughs> yeah, well well the other one's a, a cool campy the original is a cool campy 50s drive-in movie this is the terror you know the horror uh, it's, well, they, it's it's spooky and it's well, they and did it's something gross. that was legitimately goofy in the original movie with steve mcqueen mm-hmm. um they have a they have a blob festival here like about 100 miles from where i'm sitting uh, uh, every that's... year right yeah yeah what well, well, the diner still sits there <laughs> they show the movie in a local theater i'm not kidding Look no they, i saw i saw uh, there's <laughs> a video that uh james rolf did on the whole thing mm-hmm. i think but but i think scary like there were some actually horrifying moments in this movie um that you know the first one didn't even like get near you know so yeah good on you for choosing i forgot all about that yeah too. did, did yeah, darabont have a part in that did he write it did he write some of it uh that tim and russell worked together a bit um this was right after elm street um yeah i think darabont did the screenplay yeah no i'm looking at it now yeah he did he, okay yeah he has credit on the screenplay so yeah, that, Je- two... that jeffrey demund relationship started right there i guess with the blood. right there <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, there's a lot that, inform- I mean, you could tell from some of it, there's some, like, sewer scenes that remind you of, like, aliens a little bit. Um, but, it, I mean, it's informed in the right way, and it's just, yeah, it's just really, really good. And it's it's kind of gone a little bit forgotten, and it's very hard, I mean, it's hard to find. It's, it's Blu-ray release was a super limited one um, when it came out. But, yeah, it's... Very cool. I think it still worked today if people checked it out. I really think the effects stand. Yeah, I haven't seen it since probably the 90s, but I do remember, it, I mean, as a kid, granted, but I do remember enjoying <laughs> um, what I was watching. And then I, I do have the Criterion um, blob release, uh, the Steve McQueen version, which mm-hmm. is not a great movie. Like, it's 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 no. very, it's very, it's a, you know, like you said, Jim, it's a drive-in movie. Like, it's, it's not, a drive-in class? Yeah. it's not really trying to do, it, it's most notable quality is the fact that it's like Steve McQueen's first big movie. Like, that's really what it has going for it. But beyond that, it's like, yeah, this is just a silly, goofy movie. But the, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the, 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 the Blob, the remake, it's all, you know, it's similarly goofy because it's The Blob, but it, yeah, it did try to go for terror as far as I can remember. And Chuck mm-hmm. Russell, he had a nice set of four films right there. Dream Warriors, which many people you know love, is one of the favorite entries in Nightmare on Elm Street. The Blob, mm-hmm. The Mask, and Eraser. That's a, it's not a mm-hmm. bad set of films. Eraser. <laughs> it's a fun. That's a fun. Like if you put that's all an the, out now classic, Jim. If, if you, it is. No, I, I wasn't pooping Eraser. That was like probably what, one of Arnold's last decent action. Yeah. Movies. If you had Wait, a, if, we... you, if you had a Chuck Russellathon, that'd be a solid four movie marathon right there. Yeah. No, yeah, the blob. That's a that's a good pick. <laughs> I'm sure if that'd come up. Um, 
the uh, so my I didn't talk about my the construction of my list. It's not I did kind of focus on films that were remakes of other films. That was generally the idea that I went for in my list, um, as I tend to do. They're all in chronological order, um, so you can kind of see a pattern there. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I just kind of chose. They're all films that I do like quite a bit. Um, not necessarily favorites, although I do really like the films that I picked. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I went with it. And the first one on my list, just because I did want to knock this one out, is um, Philip Kaufman's Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the nineteen seventy. Oh, version. that yeah. was on my list as well. Yep. That was that was on my back burner of if nobody mentions it. Yep, that's that's why we have backups. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't much like the thing. I didn't want this one to go unmentioned because I do think this is one of the best kind of remakes of all time, one of my favorite horror films of all time, and just a I mean a spectacular movie in general. I was incredibly happy when Scream Fact released that um that new Blu-ray edition of Invasion of the Body Snatchers last year, which Brandon you reviewed on a why so blue.com. Uh, it's such a it's <laughs> such a fantastic display. I mean you want to talk about paranoia. Like this this film is creepy. Like there is so much work here to kind of show how these these pods come develop, uh create a sense of unease around everyone and you know, build the build into the paranoia of this great cast where you have Donald Sutherland, <laughs> Leonard Nimoy, Jeff Goldblum. Um, plus, like Leonard Nimoy plays like that self help doctor. Yes. It's very seventies. I mean, the very me generation, self absorbed, Valium, you know, suburban dwelling generation. It's very easy to see how they would be taken over by the body snatchers. Well, Nimoy and, is and like how in the original scary you know, as like, hell in it. Oh yeah, I mean totally. Yeah, people, People, I mean, he'll always be known for Spock and stuff, but the dude had range, and yeah, that movie, yeah. just, whoa. It, also, Brooke Adams, Veronica Cartwright, sorry, which I was trying to think of the other names, I know Veronica Cartwright. Right, and young uh, Jeff Goldblum as well. Yeah, um, Jeff but, but, I mean, as the original was cast about, you know, communism and the Red Scare in the 50s, this one was equally as effective in indicting the me generation in the 70s, you know, the same concept. Well, and good on them for having uh, cameos from Don Siegel and Kevin McCarthy. Oh, for know? sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. Da, da. Well, McCarthy, who, who comes into the movie screaming, and it's like, yeah. oh, he's just been running for 20 years, apparently. Like, yes. <laughs> What's the thing? These two, this is a perfect situation, one of those where both these, like, exist, and you could do a double feature and not be bored, because they're, like, both truly their own thing, and both terrifying in their own way well, it feels it's, it feels much like romero going night of the dead night of the living dead and dawn of the dead where they're right. not necessarily direct sequels but they certainly seem to exist in a similar universe like that's yeah. how they feel um it's something i i do admi- something i really like about there's a lot of things i really like about invasion of the body snatchers but the the presence of adult actors like serious adult actors i think does make a difference here where you, there's a level of uh, what's it um kind of stature you see when you have like donald you know donald sutherland who's you know if he wants to present himself this way you know kind of a, a stuffy professor type or he's a what is he like a um food inspector is that his job in the movie right he mm-hmm. like because well, yeah, he goes to the restaurant yeah. yeah he's like a food inspector yeah he's a food inspector yeah mm-hmm. but like, health inspector yeah, health and health that's what i'm going for a health inspector food inspector he goes to your plate and checks your food he's a health inspector yeah. <laughs> um, but like what i'm saying is there's a kind of as opposed to you know, random teenagers or college kids or people that are just inherently vulnerable. Um, you have a, you know, a professional man in an urban environment who's dealing with an otherworldly scenario. And that makes it somewhat, for me, that makes that very frightening where it's just, it seems more plausible where it's not like they went out to find evil. Evil came to them. Um, you know, you can even look at something like Halloween where it's like, 
it wasn't a cliche then, but it's like, yeah, okay, it's it's nighttime Halloween, crazy guys running around, you know, what, what's going to happen? This is like, you know, daytime frights of people are actually pod people and they're looking to take over your body and kill you, essentially. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, there's, a, there's a sense of real terror there because there's nothing stopping it. And given that it's a, a 70s horror film, it ends very bleak. Like, it has one of the scariest endings I've ever seen in a movie. Um, <laughs> people want to talk about Carrie. Like, that's a good one, too. But it's like, this movie, yeah. like, it's not even a jump scare. It's just more of a, oh, my God. This is like, I don't feel good after watching this. It's just so frightening. Also, the last scene, the last scene with Sutherland is, like, so iconic. That's the is. image I think of when I think of that movie, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Also, Dogface. I mean, that... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What is that? That's, that's an effect that should not work today, and it does. It is so creepy. <laughs> Just that, that weird mutation that happens, like, midway through the film. It's like, why did this happen? And it, it's great. Like, I, this movie I love. I, lo- I love this movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, I mean, that, that when whenever, you know, that's one of the, the, like Jim mentioned the thing, mentioned that, those are like the, the top two of the go-to choices when people are like, I don't like remakes, they're never good. Those <laughs> those prove that theory wrong in a split second, so. And this is a film that's, it's continually ripe for re-adaptation, which shows because it's been adapted like four times, right? There's Invasion of the Body yep. Snatchers, 50s, this one. Uh, the what the, is it just in body snatchers that, in the nineties? Yeah, from the, yeah, yep. from the nineties. Yep, with uh, what Meg Tilly, mm-hmm. um, and which ironically there was Puppet Masters with Donald Sutherland, which is like an invasion of the bodies that just knock off around that same time, which is weird. Yep. Um, and then there was what the um, the in, uh, the the invasion, which was directed by um, the guy that did Downfall, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And then it was, but then it was taken over by Joel Silver and the Wachowskis like reshot a lot of it. But it's with uh, Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig, and it's just a, it's a really weird movie that's not that good. Um, but... I, I would be interested in the other cut of the movie. I would too. I would because very... it was finished, so yeah. it's not like one of those that they stopped. But... Yeah, it's uh, I saw the movie in theaters like. Well, they changed a lot here. I don't know what we were going for. But, but I mean, we also, it's it, you, it's so influential. Like, you get other movies that aren't direct remakes of it. Like, you get, like, Halloween 3, which is a, uh-huh. a, a riff on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And there's a lot of other movies that have taken that concept as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's many Body Snatchers movies, just not called Body Snatchers. They just use that concept of people slowly being infiltrated Right, Stepford Wives. Yeah. Um, that kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. It helps that paranoia was such a, it's such a great kind of thematic device to work with. And so, yeah, in literally invading the bodies of others and, you know, being, you know, be, having one person be correct about things changing mysteriously, it plays out really well in a lot of different ideas for movies. I think it could work in today's climate. It could. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there was, what is it? What do you mean what? you support Trump now, wait, 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 there was a show. What was it called? Oh! What was We're it called? Making... Um, it was a show last year on on the headlight. It was from the the, the creators of uh, The Good Wife. It was a summer series. Oh, 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 oh. Uh... Uh, it was a brain dead. Was it brain dead? Brain, yeah, that, that was a pretty clever show, actually. Yeah, with, um, had Mary Elizabeth Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Winstead and uh, Aaron Tveit. Yeah, that was a fun show. Toby Shalhoub was in there. It was a great little series um, that really, that, yeah, was like, it was a kind of a political satire that used the idea of of bugs getting into the brains of these, of uh, politicians. It was really pretty clever. (laughs) Yeah, I I like that a lot. That's a good, good call. And the the recap of every episode had a song by, um, what's his name, Jonathan Colton. Like, it was just really, like, really, really Mm. quirky, but, um. 
It was neat. Which I didn't expect when I first heard about it. So yeah, it's like, right? <laughs> it's whimsical, quirky nature really delighted me. Yeah. So of course it was canceled after one season, but it of wraps course. it, it wraps course. itself up. It wraps itself up really well, actually. It is good for like a one season run of a show. Yeah. To be clear, the invasion was uh, they the 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 changes to that movie they were written by the Wachowskis and James McTeague, which is who was a Wachowski kind of one of their second acolyte. Acolyte, thank you, protege. He directed the new scenes. Just so I don't get those angry letters about the invasion, because I know they're out there. <laughs> Jim, what's the next film on your list? Ah, from 1986, I chose David Cronenberg's remake of The Fly. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's another one where you say yeah. Yeah, well, I guess I'm that guy this time. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying it's, it's the one. It's one of those that proves that that remakes aren't good or blah 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 wrong. Yeah, exactly. I, I'd like to think the 20 films we're going to list total here are all going to basically prove that notion to be incorrect. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right, but um, it yeah. did. But anyway, I I always loved this. I, I was a big fan of Cronenberg all through the 80s, uh, Videodrome and, and Scanners and whatnot, and. Uh, I mean, the fly. I mean, again, we took you took drive-in fare, you know, um, the kind of cheesy fifties, uh, and made it this incredible, scary, creepy, tragic, and comic at different times. Um, you know, think about body horror, and uh, I don't know. I I always liked this movie a lot. I always, uh, again, I mean, but and it's all a lot of it's due to Jeff Goldblum's performance. You know, at first. He's kind of the cocky scientist. Then, as he realizes what's happening to himself, you know, he's been humbled, and it's kind of tragic comic as it goes on. And you know, you really are by the end of it are are sad to see that him die as this you know in creature. And I don't know, it's, it's just a well done movie. It's probably one of Cronenberg's more accessible, you know, horror movies as as they go. Oh yeah, <laughs> but but I mean, as a remake goes, like like Brandon says, if you want to pick one, that's like oh, remakes are always terrible. I mean, this definitely dust off what um, you know an old drive-in um, you know B movie and and made it you know turn it into gold. So. Well, yeah. Well, the original didn't even focus on the guy who was the fly. It was uh, the guy who was looking. I mean, they were wondering what happened. Right. And we're focused on Vincent Price's friend character and the wife. And the most memorable thing of the original fly movie was the miniaturized version of of the uh, the guy with the we had the person's body with the fly head mm-hmm. yeah then you end up with the fly body with the person's head and crying help me help me as the spider ate him the, the best remake uh, of that story is the simpsons treehouse of horror special focused on that tale uh, yeah <laughs> but the i want to emphasize how great jeff goldblum is in this movie uh, oh like, yeah because totally. he like in a different world the academy would be like you know what these actors do a good job too and they totally nominated for best actor because he like you look at Goldblum now, and I look, you know, Goldblum's great. Like, it's great to see him in movies and doing his thing. Uh, but there is a kind of, I mean, there's less, there's less, it's a lot of him playing versions of what you know from Goldblum at this point, which is not bad, right. it's entertaining. But, you know, you go back to his 80s work, there's a lot of great stuff there, including The Fly, and Asia of the Body Snatchers for that matter. But The Fly is, he's a, it's a great leading man performance that has so many different layers to it. It's it's terrific. He's so. Good. I think yeah. Jurassic Park and Independence Day gave us the the typical Goldblum. Yeah, the one-two one punch. But he was not yeah. like that. The 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 the, the guy who uh, has lost stories. 
stories that can, you know. A lot of hand gestures. Hand gestures. Hand gestures. Well, it's funny because you get that, like, Nick Cage becomes an action things. star, like, within the same years, right? So it's like these right. these two, like, you know, kind of nebbish guys that are, like, quirky suddenly become action stars. But that's right. what they do now. They do portrayals of that type of performance. But before then, they were serious actors that did really good well, movies. Well, yeah, Nick Cage did one, two, three, and then dropped the mic. Yeah. And took- yeah, Goldblum became a summer like oh summer blockbuster sci-fi movie. It's got to have Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, so it felt like for a bit. But yeah, the fly. Great, great range, and and you know what? The scariest, probably the most horrifying sequence in this whole movie is a dream sequence. Oh yeah, when mm-hmm. Gina Davis. Where Gina Davis pregnant. has thinks yeah. she's pregnant, and David Cronenberg is the gynecologist, and I mean, but I mean, it's it's very much like a, a sad, a tra- it's a tragedy more than a horror movie. But I mean, again, like Aaron said, it's all due to Jeff Goldblum's performance. I mean, he really shows an incredible range in this movie, and I always thought it was super underrated. It's a huge, it's a huge part of it for sure. But I mean, the the makeup is terrific. Oh yeah, the, the effects are incredible. The Howard Shore score is great as yeah. usual in any David Cronenberg film, really. <laughs> but, like, yeah, and there's... if you think that's good, just wait till you see Eric Stoltz. That's... Yeah, the fly too. <laughs> is just the fly oh, too? Is there a subtitle or is just the fly too? It's just the fly too. Okay. Just the fly too. Oh, but the yeah. tagline's like, uh, is it a, like father like son? Is that the idea? <laughs> I think that's what it yeah. is. <laughs> I didn't get fired and replaced by Michael J. Fox on this one. And you know what? <laughs> you know what? Darabont had a hand in that one too. Darabont was all over these little horror movies, guys, in the eighties. Oh <laughs> he was, yeah, he was doing his thing. He was a he was a script doctor, punch oh, yeah. up guy. Oh yeah, he was a. He was a Whedon. He was a Macquarie back in the day. Right. A Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Maxwell, what's the next film on your list? Okay, so the next film on my list is uh, the 1991 remake of Cape Fear, directed oh. by nice. Martin Scorsese. Uh, this is a remake of the 1962 film, um, which starred Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum. And this remake, of course, has Robert De Niro and Nick Nolte. Um, this was actually one of the first Scorsese films I saw when I, you know, first discovered him back in the mid nineties or late nineties and started watching through his earlier work. And uh, I think if you look at his filmography, this one stands out. Uh, it's one of his most mainstream and accessible films. It's just a well-executed sort of thrilling, uh, riff on this story of this guy who wants vengeance against a lawyer who put him away for a long time um uh, de niro is really 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 intense and scary in this movie and i think it shows that uh, scorsese can pretty much work in any genre he wants to um the original i don't think is as good as this one if i'm being honest although i do appreciate that scorsese got uh, gregory peck and robert mitchum to have little little bit parts in it to pay homage to the first one I, I, you know, this one was actually like a little bit of a pop culture for pop, pop culture phenomenon back then. I mean, there was a lot of riffs on this. This movie was very popular. It was like the thriller to see. Okay, I mean, The Simpsons even did a whole oh, sideshow Bob. Yeah, the sideshow <laughs> Bob episode was all dedicated to this and that that theme music and the De Niro stuff. I, you know, it was referenced like everywhere. I mean, this movie was. I, I think people. A lot of people may not remember anything. It was a hit. It was a hit. It was a huge hit. Yeah, huge hit. I mean, everybody's talking about it. It was like, oh, did you see that? And then talking about like what De Niro hanging off the boat or whatever. 
like lots of lots of cool stuff here. That's a good. I didn't even think of this one. That's it's sort of like, you know, the age old question are thrillers, horror movies. But I, I feel like especially when I was younger, I was genuinely scared by oh, yeah. De Niro and some of the oh, material. Yeah. Um, okay. And so that that to me, a horror movie is something that scares you. So this this scared me. And, and I rewatched it uh, recently and it holds up pretty well. Um, good pick. It's it's a uh, it's intense. And it broke, it's out, uh, broke out Juliet Lewis, too. Like this is her big breakout. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, Jessica Lange's in it also. So just a great cast. Um, it's a really good remake. Another one I think that shows that, uh, you know, you don't have to be wary of all remakes. Right. And the original is really great, too, if you've never seen it. Yeah, it, it's it's good, for sure. I, I do like the, the original a lot. I, I think this movie's very good. It's Scorsese. It's hard for him to kind of, you know, be bad in a movie. It, it, it does kind of, it tends to fall lower just because it's, it's it's an exercise in style. That's that's the way I think of it. That doesn't make yeah. it a bad thing at all. It's just more of like, yeah, this is that thing he made after Goodfell is to kind of refresh the engines, be like, yeah, okay, let's do this. Let's have, let's have a let's have a jaunt <laughs> for let's have a jaunt in the uh, the swamps <laughs> for a bit. If, if if this is the level you're operating at for your sort of refresh movie, then you're doing something right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I, one of the interesting things about uh, the original is that uh, Hitchcock worked on it for a while and was going to direct it until there was some sort of. I don't know, dispute or something, and he ended up not directing it. But it does. You can sort of see his influence on oh, both, for sure. both adi- versions of it. Oh yeah, like yeah, like you have the Bernard Herrmann score in <laughs> that movie. Like, there's a lot there that like yeah gives you a lot of like, oh, it's like one of those non Hitchcock Hitchcock movies. Something like um, what's it called? What's the other one I'm thinking of? It's not Notorious, or is it Notorious? Um, no, because he did Notorious. There's no, he did one. Notorious. There's, yeah, there's, there's another <laughs> no, one. Notorious is Hitchcock, 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 not a non-Hitchcock. No, there's, Hitchcock. A, there's another one that tends to like be regarded as Hitchcock. That's not a Hitchcock. Charade. Yeah, sure, there you go. Charade. Charade. Thank you. Yeah, seems one word. All, I could, all I could think of was Brian De Palma movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's totally valid. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brandon, what's the next film on your list? I I have uh, my Bloody Valentine 3D. <laughs> <laughs> This is, I think this movie's a blast. It's just fun. I think it, it has many angles a viewer can come at it with. Like, you know, that guy's like, things don't scare me. It has enough, like, action-y moments and, like, thrills and laughs that that person can enjoy a movie. It's got scares that someone could, could be jump-scared with. Um, it's fun for fans of the original because it's similar, quite different, and they, they pull a, a switch on you. Uh, with the film's finale. And uh, I don't know, they do a lot of cool things with a pickaxe, with the desk, because the original... Um, another good thing this one did was it got an unrated cut of the original finally available for people to see because the original was hacked up and everybody's like, man, where's the gore in this one? Uh, it was quite popular because the, the costume of the killer is uh, pretty iconic. Yeah, it's a cool costume. But the movie was yeah. neutered when it came to theaters. And... Um, but it actually was pretty damn gory when you check out the original cut of it. But this one, uh, it's a Todd Farmer, Patrick Lussier. They're a really good team together. They, they make uh, some fun horror movies. But th- this one, I don't know. I had the 3D on it was well done, I thought. This is a pre-Avatar um, 3D movie. Pre-Avatar 3D. And it's got uh, some cool casting uh, with like Tom Atkins Tom being Atkins. in there, um, Jensen Ackles. It was funny because the the supernatural guys had like the Battle of the Slashers in '09, where he, you know, Jensen Ackles had 
uh, My Bloody Valentine, and then uh, Pilecki had uh, uh, Friday the 13th the next yeah. month. Uh, which is funny because Friday the 13th came out on Valentine's Day weekend and my bloody Valentine 3D came out just January. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was, it was a fun movie. Um, that's pretty thrilling. And it's like one of those where, uh, it could stand with the original. I mean, you can have both easily. Um, there it's remade and kind of, uh, lightly on characters and concept alone and just, yeah, it just goes for it. It has a lot of fun. Just, you know, you know what it is. The, the greatest character in that film is Keir Smith as, like, the yes! sheriff or whatever. He, oh, he gives a heightened performance yeah, that he's, he's is in like, amazing. Uh, he's in, what's his name? He's in, like, um, what's his name from, from American Pie? Chris, um... Uh, he's Chris, oh, Chris, oh, 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 you're talking, like, Chun-Li, dude? Yeah, Chun-Li, um, yeah, the legend of Chun-Li. Chris, oh, Kristen oh, Kreik. No, no, the no, guy. Klein. Chris, Chris oh, Klein. God. There you go. Chris Klein. Chris Klein. <laughs> the guy that was supposed to be the biggest person to come out of American Pie. And then they realized, oh, he can't act. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Keir, Keir Smith's Chris is, um, you're exactly right. Heightened is a, is a, a light way of putting it. He has some amazing lines in this movie as far as how he's like, in, wait, you did that in my house where I had sex or I have sex with my wife? Like that line. Yeah. Oh gosh. Where he, he cut. Yeah. There's there's a lot of <laughs> not questionable acting. I think everyone's doing exactly what they're being told to do. But mm-hmm. it, there's some fun stuff to go along with the kind of the horror mayhem in that film. Yeah. There's some like random weird stuff. Like uh, there, there's a the scene where like the the maid at the house is scared about stuff, and then Tom Atkins randomly shows up. He's like, "Why was he here? What's he doing?" He pulls his gun, and then he gets a pickaxe right in his mouth and they pull his chin off and it flies right at the screen. It's awesome. But yeah, yeah. I, I remember thinking that the 3d was really fun in that. Did I think this, didn't this have one of the trailers where it's like the, the ax actually comes out to the, the audience. Yeah. Like the trailers, like emphasizing how 3d is like, is like, you'll be feeling the terror in the audience. And like shows a shot (laughs) of the audience looking at the 3d ax. Not not to go on some sort of tangent or diatribe about 3d, but for my preference, if it, uh, if it's going to be put in movies, I would almost rather be used sort of gimmicky. Um, yep. So (laughs) I, films like, like a horror, horror films like this are ones that I really kind of appreciated in the, like, if they're gonna, as opposed to kind of, well, why not? <laughs> if it's not gonna like apply to the narrative in the way that I think a number of films have used effectively, it's just gonna be kind of a, an add-on. This is a fun way to do it for sure <laughs> with this kind of horror movie. Well, it's also funny when it dates it, like uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Three. You know, it came out in three D in nineteen eighty eighty two, and then after that, until you know, I think the box set came out. Was it on <laughs> available for three D again? And that was red and blue glasses. But for years, you're watching it, watching all these gimmicky setup scenes where a guy's like holding a pole carefully in front of the screen, and all these like funny things adds a new level of weirdness to it. Oh no, I, I definitely appreciate films that are made to be like over the top three D, but you're not actually watching them that way. That's yes. there's <laughs> there's a there's a good level there's a good kind of viewing experience to have with things like that because you can like just admire the marks they're on. <laughs> I bloody bound. the The next film on my list is uh, Nosferatu, the Vampire. Oh, uh, I had that. I'm gonna scratch it off. Yeah, the uh, the Werner Herzog. The Klaus Kinsey. Oh, yeah, the okay. Klaus Kinsey Werner Werner Herzog update of Nosferatu. Um, this film is creepy. Uh, I, <laughs> it, it's it's neat to see 
you know, Herzog delve into this sort of, you know, the very prolific Herzog as both a filmmaker um, and, a, you know, a documentarian. He takes on this as this kind of almost like an experimental art project and just does wonders with it. Klaus Kinski is fantastic as a, as count, as I guess he's Dracula in this version, right? Yeah, like, no, no. Yeah, this one actually is like where, you know, we can do the stuff the silent film wasn't able to do, you yeah, know. They, they had the rights to Bram Stoker's Dracula, essentially. So, yeah. they're, so it kind of, it's a mix of like recreating a lot of Nosferatu as well as having an expanded storyline because you can work with the actual book. Um, but it's great. And, you know, Nosferatu, I love as, you know, a, a fantastic silent feature and the way it uses mood and atmosphere in the realm of, you know, of a silent film where you can only work with so many different kind of color spectrums um, and, you know, no, no dialogue, obviously. This film is the Nosferatu of the Vampire. It's still very minimalist. It still gets a great sense of atmosphere out of the setting. Um, there's a there's a lot of just great, like, shots, of, like, not even, like, the death stuff, but the shots of just, like, the world these characters occupy being emptied, um, where, like, the rats are just all that's around. Like, there's just so, there's little, there's lots of great imagery throughout this film. Um, in addition to having this great Klauski, uh, or Klaus, Kins Klauski, Klaus Kinski performance where he's just this kind of otherworldly being much like, um, Max Shrek. Max Shrek. Thank you, Max. I was like, Christopher Walken, Max Shrek. <laughs> 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 um, but no, it's, I, it's, uh, I caught up with it. I saw it at CineFamily actually. It was like 2012, maybe when I first saw this film finally. And it was like, this is a, this is a, I didn't know what to expect. I was like, Werner Herzog made that Nosferatu film. I'm going to finally see this at a CineFamily screening. And it was really good. I guess like, I really enjoyed this movie. It's a great tone. Great. You were yeah. mentioning the imagery, like beyond, like the scene where the, the Demeter, the empty boat comes flowing into town mm -hmm. and the town's not up yet. And it's just empty. It's just this hollow empty. It, there's something just frightening about that to me. Just this dead town. And then there's this boat with no one controlling it coming through this narrow waterway. It's just, I don't know what, they just capture it so well, Herzog does. That it's Everything's just scary. Even when he's just going to Dracula's castle or whatever, it's just these empty uh, clay house looking things. It's just, I, it's just scary. Weird. I already explained. The movie, while adding sound, could still be silent and be effective. Oh, yeah. Like, there's the, the dialogue feel. It's a great thing when you... It's kind of... It, it's like the epitome of cinema when you see the... Kind of the way dialogue's utilized where you could easily not have it on and still have the film be just as effective. Um, films like... On, like honestly, Mad Max Fury Road is a lot like that, where you can kind of watch that film without like hearing anyone speak and get mm -hmm. the idea. Like there's, <laughs> which, which was by design. I know Miller. Pure cinema. Yeah, right. Like, Miller yeah. designed it so you can have it in multiple languages, or you know, and not have to worry about translations necessarily. Just have it kind of play as it is. Um, but yeah, not, I, it's far off from what Nosferatu. Although they're both kind of weird and have weird creatures in them. But <laughs> Nosferatu the Vampire. <laughs> um, it's it is a. I mean, it's a fantastic film from a fantastic filmmaker. It really has a lot of great things going on within it. Um, uh, Jim, what's your uh, next pick? Um, my next pick is House on Haunted Hill, 1999. Uh, William Mal Malone directed it. Jeffrey Rush plays kind of Walt Disney type who offers <laughs> a, a group of, a group of uh, actors who probably should be in better movies, a million dollars to spend the night in this uh, incredible house that he has built. Uh, from a haunted house. 
Uh, Femke Jensen's in it, and uh, Peter Gallagher, Chris Kattan. Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb, Tay Allie Diggs. Tay Diggs. It's, it's, like I said, it's a bunch of people that should be in a better movie. Uh, but I think what really uh, spoke to me about this one, I'd seen the original as a kid with Vincent Price, uh, William Castle uh, uh, movie, and I, I never thought it was scary at all. And I really love Jeffrey Rush. He just goes for it in this. This is like his... Yeah, he's great. His, <laughs> he's coming. He's awesome in this. He's coming right off of playing Casting of a Frankenstein in, in Mystery Men. Like right into this, and it just fits right in. He's he's awesome in this, and I always always really liked his performance in this. And I thought it was kind of a it was fun. And you can tell nobody's taking it very seriously, but it's still got you know stakes, and it, it's just a good solid remake. Yeah, I uh, I don't have much to add. I I think it's fine because I do like Jeffrey Rush. I think he's very, yeah. he's he's, I, he really he's certainly it. the highlight of this movie. Yeah. Um, Although Peter Gallagher does do some eye, eye, eyebrow work in this film, that's always appreciated. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's like this... a he's like a cartoon Bruce Wayne come to life. That's what he is. <laughs> I do, yeah. Um, so this this was like a one two punch with what's it thirteen, which I assume won't come up on this list. Thirteen ghosts. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is not good, <laughs> but like I mean, no, but they came out around the same time. They're both is that that's is that also Vincent Price? Thirteen Ghosts, or is it like Thirteen Ghosts was also William it's Castle. William, William, William Castle, Castle, yeah. William Castle. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I was like, oh, another one of these. They got it, and yeah, House on Idol is easily the better film. Um, probably because it has a better cast. I mean, Toby, Toby, Tony Shalhoub is fine, I guess, but <laughs> that movie is not good. But House on Hill, it's entertaining. Like it has its moments. Um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't see this. There was evidently a sequel direct video I'm seeing now that I never saw. But I always thought it was just like a fun popcorn movie, uh, horror movie, you know, and a, a decent decent remake. So, and you know, I, I did want to have you know, I have other things on this list that are probably going to be like, oh well, of course we're going to pick that. So I wanted to pick something different. Is there like a big roller coaster that starts this movie in House of Hell? It's a, it's like a, it's yes. one of those elevator rides, right? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, what's it? Like Jeffrey Rush is like he's like at the like he. Lisa Loeb's like, a reporter, like interviewing him, and she gets taken on a ride that they think that they're gonna die. Uh-huh. And then he's is. like, "Ha ha! No, welcome to my." As he twists right. his mustache. <laughs> he's like totally acting to the rafters and literally twisting his mustache. So yeah. Uh, Maxwell, what's the next film on your list? <laughs> so the next film on my list is a film that I know Aaron doesn't care for very much, and that is the 2002 remake of The Ring. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, directed by Gore Verbinski. Uh, this is a remake of a Japanese film, Ringu, from 1998. Um, and I-, I just find this to be a very atmospheric uh creepy uh, horror story with some really beautiful imagery um, and a really solid lead performance from Naomi Watts. I, this was around the time of like all of the J-horror movies started being remade. And I think this is the one that gave it uh, a modicum of legitimacy. It was fairly well received. Um, and, uh, you know, it has a few silly bits and the, the characters are not always the, the, the most well drawn, but I still think it's effective mostly because of the imagery. Um, oh, that I so agree with easily. I mean, I, I remember enjoying it in the theaters. I haven't seen it, you know, in the past few years, but you know, it, it stuck out to me as a fairly successful horror remake. Um, that's just, 
honestly, you know, turn the sound off and enjoy how beautiful it is to look at. And um, Samara's pretty creepy. You know, I'm a huge Verbinski fan, so it's and I, yeah, obviously I admire visually what he's doing here. There's a lot of there is a lot of creepy imagery. I I, I feel it's a little too oppressive with green tones, <laughs> but it's <laughs> very cool. <laughs> and that horse scene is nonsense. But the <laughs> there is like because the ring's not a movie I I hate. Like there's there there are remakes that I'm not listing that I really dislike. But this this is more one that I just like I. I frustratingly want to like, but don't like enough. Like, there's so much good here that it's a shame I'm not appreciating it more. But, like, I do, like, like Naomi Watts is good as, like, reporter character trying to figure this out. The mystery is interesting to see. I, there's, a, there's a ton that I like about this movie. I just overall, it just doesn't quite work for me, having tried to appreciate it multiple times. <laughs> like, more, I've seen it more than you have, Maxwell, than you like it. <laughs> I, just, I just need to, to recall it comes up a lot of something you don't like that much for some reason but um i, I don't know i, I think it, it succeeds for the most part in what it's trying to achieve and I, and I think it um was right around the time where verbinski was starting to flex his muscles a little bit and and get bigger projects and i think it it's you know in in the aspects that matter i i think it it hits its mark I, on the ring? Yeah. I remember i i saw it and i was like Okay, I, there's. I didn't see opening weekend. I saw it during the next week when people hyped, and I was like, "Well, that was okay." I, I wasn't take. It reminded me at the time, weirdly enough, I it reminded me a lot of Stir of Echoes for some reason. That whole mm-hmm. like dead child from comes from beyond the grave to help give clues to find type thing. So I was I was really felt like I was watching some sister movie of that for a bit, but um, I was I was okay with it. I really like Naomi Watts. So, I um, yeah, I, I was never. It's a huge better fan. than Rings. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I was never a huge fan of the movie. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, I'll say this because it's on my um my backup list here. I do like Dark Water quite a bit. Uh, the other another J horror remake with uh, Jennifer Connelly and what Tim Roth. And a bunch of other people. I that, that was one that I, I was like, <laughs> who needs the ring? I have this movie that I really like, and that went like nowhere. It was it was not like that successful? But that's <laughs> what it was like. Well, as opposed to like The Grudge, which I also really don't like. It was like, well, this yeah. one did it for me. I don't I don't know what I was missing with the others, but this one worked for me. Yeah, there were all like a, just a plethora of these J horror remakes oh, yeah. around around this time, and yeah, for the it. most part, they all sort of run into each other. Yeah, we have Pulse, which was like the cell phone one. Um, Shutter, which is Shutter, mirrors, mirrors, I uh, one the missed eye, call. Yeah. Uh, the uninvited is another one. Yeah, there it was a it was a run there in the, like the two thousands. That was like the early two thousands. I mean, it didn't stop in the mid two thousands, but it started to die down. Yeah, there was like what three grudges. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> three grudges, Shoot. three rings. Well, two rings at that time. Two rings at that time. Yeah, we just got we we finally got the rings that we've been wanting. Um, Which there was a cool short film called Rings, and then they renamed they named the third one Rings. So it's like it, you go if you watched in order to be Ring God. Rings Ring Two Rings. <laughs> and, <laughs> and in um, in Japan, like the ring was like still going. They just had what the ring versus the grudge, right? The uh... oh wow, they got okay, there. That Ooh. that is a movie I would see. That yeah, would be, that's, that would sound yeah. awesome. <laughs> I mean, it, it exists. It's out there. <laughs> like, but 
but in Japan, the only one that they have, like, the Ring was a remake of of the Japanese one, and the Ring Two got the director of the original Ringu, but did something completely different. Like, yeah, like it's the second one. Yeah, sorry, it's uh, Sadako versus Kayako is the the characters from the Ring and the Grudge in the Versus movie. Um, that's 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 what that is. Um, I assume it's fantastic, although I have heard bad things from people that actually did see uh-huh. it. <laughs> I didn't mind the grudge just because I have a big soft spot for Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, well, that's one of her four movies. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, I, I don't know. It's all they all sort of play in the same idiom, and they do start to run together. What's uh, what's next for you, uh, Brandon? For me, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Maniac. I, knew, oh. I know you're a fan of Maniac. I always talk about this one, but it's uh, it's a remake of this uh, old movie with uh, Joe Spinell. It was like a trashy 42nd Street movie about this guy with mommy issues that collected mannequins, or he worked on mannequins and like would kill women to try to like build this perfect one, like with their scalps and stuff, and they'd see them in their heads. And Elijah Wood um, was involved with uh, producing and making this movie. He stars in it, uh, but it's all. Uh, from his perspective, it's not like found footage. It's like his eye line of vision. And you watch him POV as yeah. POV as you uncomfortably go through him stalking women and, and murdering them. And it's got an amazing score to it. Like yeah. if anything, uh, download, the, download the score, but it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's not, it, it looks, it's a pretty looking movie and it's very stylistic, but it's kind of a little bit grisly to watch. And, um, I just really was taken with it. And Wood's performance is amazing. And he's like the perfect guy for that kind of character that you could really believe like some girl's going to think he's some like kind of like hipster artist guy that, oh, yeah, I can I could go out with him um, when he's really just a freaking creep. Uh, but it's <laughs> it's it's really good. Like I was I was the original is pretty cool. There's a really great uh, Tom Savini effect. Uh, with an exploding head, yeah, uh, yep, a shotgun yep. in the original, <laughs> yeah. um, and and Joe Spinell is one of my favorite character actors. I always love seeing him in things, but I wasn't really <laughs> always a huge fan. It's even got Carolyn Monroe. It's it's fun for what it is, but I like the remake actually better than the original. Um, it's just yeah, it's a it's a moody thing, uh, but you just kind of uh, isn't, go isn't uh, that in first person a lot of it? Yeah, yeah, it's all yes. through through his uh, vision. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to see it. I haven't yet though. Yeah, you, and stylistically, it is pretty great. Like it, it, it's one of what Alexander Aha's like proteges, like one of these guys. Like you know? yeah, he's a he's a producer. It's, yeah. it's I mean, it's an experiment. Uh, the film is, but I for me, it worked. I think Aaron, you said you it, it was just too much for you after I, yeah, a certain I, point. I, I didn't like it overall, but it but there's again, it's like the ring where I have a lot I admire about it. Like I do think um, Wood is great in this movie. I like to refer to it as a millennial portrait of a serial killer. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. No, that's what I'm saying. He's perfect for that role. Like, yeah, it's it is it's 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 pre- it's pretty nihilistic. <laughs> like, it really, it really, it really goes a uh, a long way to to show like just how depraved uh, this killer can be. But uh, from like a cinematography standpoint, I mean, making a POV film like this, there's a lot of really great stuff in it, and the score is great. That is one thing that I really took away from the film. Like, it has this great kind of that was around. The, it's not. Well, it's not around the same time as um like the guest but like there's a lot of like kind of uh, kind of a retro vibe with some synth stuff but also like this kind of 
Goodbye Horses is in the Goodbye, movie too. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of little elements there. It's, it's. It's. I haven't. I haven't seen this, but I'm. I'm gonna watch it soon. I'm very intrigued. It's. It's one of those horror movies. Like, cause like sometimes horror's not fun. It's not pretty. It's. It's grim. I mean, it's yeah. Horror is, and sometimes it's. It's gonna be that way. But, yeah. Um, Elijah Wood can be really creepy. Oh yeah, Sin City. Yeah. Um. The next film on my what am I going with next year? We got three, yeah. Uh, oh, here we go. It is Dawn of the Dead, um, Zack Snyder's remake of the George A. Romero classic. Um, Dawn of the Dead. That be Superman, John, Dawn of Justice is Zack Snyder. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, Sucker Punch is Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> as we talked about in the George A. Romero episode, Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite films ever. Um, certainly one of my favorite films of all of uh, favorite horror films of all time. Uh, my favorite zombie film. Um, and the idea of remaking it onto the dead, that comes back to that question of, am I naturally averse to remakes or not? And that was one where I was like, well, <laughs> zombies were first, they were starting to come back because you had, uh, well, I had 28 days later around that time. And that was one where I was like, well, the, the concept, I guess, does lend itself to other movies. Let's, I'll see where this goes. Like, it didn't have necessarily anyone I was super excited about involved. James Gunn wasn't, like, a huge name at that point. He's the writer on the film. Zack Snyder, this is his first thing. Like, uh, it was a Ving Rhames movie. It was, yeah, was exactly. It was, it was Ving Rhames and uh, uh, Sarah Polly, who I knew from Sarah Go. Polly. Go, I, yeah, I from the Go, Go from many years prior. Yeah, so it's like... Well, we'll see what happens. But the trailer came out and was like, well, this is a pretty cool trailer. Like, this looks, like, at least entertaining. And I ended up seeing this movie four times in theaters. Dawn of the Dead is great. Like, I, it's not, I, it's, no, it's not, it didn't surpass the original Dawn of the Dead for me. But it is a, it is a great, entertaining, fun movie. Like, it, it's, it gets off the brown so quickly. It has such a great first 20 minutes that is just, like, full of so much energy, style, um, everything you kind of want in this, and then once it settles into the mall, it's still really good. Like it has this, it's a, it, it doesn't quite capture the kind of um, societal commentary that's in Dawn of the Dead, but it still has a. But they're not, know, go, they're not going for. That. They're not going for it, but it doesn't not. It, it's not completely devoid of it either. Like there is some right. clever stuff going on yeah. in the mall there, where much like Dawn of the Dead, it does forget about zombies for a bit to just have you focus on the characters and what they're doing in the mall while you know, you know, just trying to stay alive. And as as Snyder's debut film, it's very stylish. It has a lot of great stuff going for it. It's probably my favorite Snyder film. Um, it's definitely mine. I was just going to say that. It's the one I've seen yeah. the most for sure. It's weird that I have an apprehensive way of saying, saying it's my favorite Snyder film for some reason, but like it, it basically is. Like I have nothing but appreciation he, for it. He peaked right out the gate. I've slide ever since. But it, yeah, it it is a great piece of work. Like it has so much going yeah, I, for it in the, in the scripting, especially too. James Gunn's script is so like fun to like, just hear these people talking between one liners and even some like moments of insightfulness. Like there's some really good stuff in this movie. Well, you get to with taking the theme, like just taking the basic concept and then making a movie with that rather than remaking Dawn of the dead. Like that's all you need. I mean, this movie could be called mall of the dead and people are like, Ooh. ah, it's a knockoff, but then you're, I mean, it's a completely different movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's great. Um, I remember seeing it on the same day as uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which was quite a... <laughs> <laughs> nice what double a feature, double though. Double <laughs> uh, and I like both of them very much. Um, but also, like, looking back, the, the supporting cast in this is so great with people who have gone on to, like, fantastic careers like Ty Burrell and Michael Kelly 
and Mackay Ty- fight. Ty Burrell is wonderful in this movie. Oh, he has like the, oh, yeah. as the smug, smart ass Steve. And like, and, it's so and, good. you know, the career he ha- he has had now is not remotely close to what I would have expected um, his career to become, like a multi Emmy award winning uh, actor TV for dad. Like, goof, TV dad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he he is just so 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 good and smarmy in this movie. Well, I mean, oh, it so. got him a career. Like everything, if you notice, like. He had before Modern Family. He was in like every new sitcom upcoming till that one hit and stuck. And he was always playing some S- variation on guy. this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He got typecast for a bit before you know. He He's st- like, well, we can't get Neil Patrick Harris. He's busy. We're <laughs> well, you know, he was so you know, you're so good at something when you just knock it out of the park. People are gonna want you to try and recreate it. But, the one, the yeah. one guy that didn't like. Um, like excel from this honestly is jake weber who's like the co-lead in this movie is michael yeah like, um like Which he might actually read like he read for the ty Burrell part and ty Burrell read for the other part and then they had them read together and swap parts and then they changed their mind and he's he's really like he's a guy who's like I, i'm surprised he hasn't like he went he was in what's he was in that uh patricia arquette show was but medium? medium he was a medium for yeah. a while which is fine i mean he got he you know steady work He's on a, you know, over a hundred episodes of a hit TV series, but at the same time, it's like this guy's a good leading man type. Like he has like a kind of, I don't know, like a Luke Wilson almost quality. Like, the character's know. very vanilla, so that doesn't do him any favors. He's fine. Was... It is, but he, he 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 does a good job leading. You know, him and Sarah Polly leading the pack. Like it works. Well, out. like how did we not get more Sarah Polly like stuff after this? Well, because she I wanted think. to direct movies, and she's she didn't yeah, want to direct like... movies, but I mean, good. I mean, we're probably better for that. But it's just like, yeah. It's just, it's like a fascinating time capsule to see where all of these different careers went. Like, I never would have predicted that Zack Snyder would be doing stuff like Superman, and it's just bizarre. I was uh, I was beyond uh, skeptical when this was being made. I mean, because as as, yeah. as with you, Aaron, I mean, Dawn of the Dead is one of my favorite movies, and I was like, you know, this is one of those movies that doesn't really need a remake. It's pretty much perfect the way it is. I don't understand why. But, uh, yeah, he won me over. And, again, like I said, it's my favorite Zack Snyder movie. It, it really has a, a feel all its own, uh, even though it has some of the basic concepts from the original movie. Uh, I think it's a good way to go with a remake. And uh yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's cool because in the the original man, they're they're trying to figure out how to stay and live in the mall as long as they can. And in this one, they're trying to figure out when's the soonest we can get out of the mall. So right. a different mission statement for each right. movie and it's, different characters. And it's like oh, a it's, totally different tone. Yeah, too. It's, it's much more of yeah. an action movie than a horror movie. Like it, right? You know, yeah, it's it's so propulsive in what it's doing. It has the, some oh, great. Like said, it has some yeah, the opening, opening sequence. sequence. Oh jeez. Oh yeah. It has. It's some so great... visceral. Like I can picture the picture it in my mind right now, and I'm like on edge. And it has some great montages. Like there's the the yeah. um, the Richard Cheese take on Down with oh, the Sickness, yeah, yeah, yeah. which just yeah. comes through at like right after they kill off uh, Max Headroom, Matt Frewer, um, <laughs> and it's just like, wow, that was a really bleak and well written, well acted sequence. Also, here's this hilarious montage from Richard Cheese. Like this is great. I. I, I feel like The Walking Dead owes a lot to this too, like um, yeah, imagery and the, the way it's specifically depicting the zombies. There's right. definitely a, a through line. Well, if 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 uh, 28 Days Later is like of the modern zombie resurgence is the Halloween, then then Dawn of the Dead was the Friday the Thirteenth because this was the one that said, okay, now we're gonna make a zombie movie every five weeks if we can. You know? <laughs> yeah, and they is, took yeah. off like right after that. And, the, and yeah, the the that one-two punch also secured like the kind of fast zombies for a bit, right? Um, which not many right. movies have on. Is like I mean, people talk complain about fast zombies. There's not a ton of fast zombie movies that really came out. Like there's World War Z, World War Z, uh, Zombieland, this, and um, 
the 2018 movies. Those are yeah, zombie zombie yeah, zombie. Awesome. yeah. Those are those are like the ones I can single out that have like fast zombies. Maybe I guess wreck the wreck films. I guess they're kind of oh well. Those yeah. they're, they're possessed. They're possessed. Right. right. Different. Yeah. Uh, well, in 28 days are they're not zombies, so you know infected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last thing about Dawn of the Dead, it's a movie because there's Mackay Pfeiffer. Um, okay, so what's um, Jim? What's your what's your next pick? Uh, Evil Dead Two. <laughs> Perfect. Had to be. Had to be. Um, I, I, you know, they, they leaned into the horror and the camp and the craziness in the second version, and uh, I know it's an ongoing debate in the horror community whether it's a sequel or a remake. But Bruce Campbell himself has said that it's a requel, so <laughs> I'm taking it. Um, it's one of the greatest horror movies of all time. What more can I say? <laughs> I, I don't know. I lo- it, I would watch it right now if I if I could. You know, it is a fantastic movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And yeah, it's you know based. It's one of those like, well, we couldn't get the rights, so what do we do? And that's the solution. We remake the entire first movie in twenty minutes and then go on from there. And it's like right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know, it's just a great movie. You know? It it, it well, is. I love it. It's hard. <laughs> I mean, we've done. I, I think we've I done commentary. We, we did yeah. a double feature commentary one night. Yeah, that's right. Back to back, Evil right. Dead, Evil Dead Two. Um, it's hard to say this is Sam Raimi at his peak, but it's certainly him at kind of his like most fun. Maybe like it's just like him going all out with like, well, we really we got a lot more money to work with and a whole new non-terrible set to work on let's go for it and they do yeah, but a whole lot of money to work with it's like you know here's 20 bucks up from five yes exactly you know? <laughs> yeah. right. and that's the charm that's the charm of the evil oh, dead yeah. movies they have such a kind of a home a homey a homish quality to it where i think it's ramey it is most inventive because out of necessity you know mm-hmm. definitely and one of my one of one of my favorite things in this entire trilogy is in this movie where Ash has to kind of run run away from the you know the POV shot, and he like runs through like the entire cabin, which is made up of just like exponential number of rooms. <laughs> like it's just going, he's through all the rooms, through behind the walls, like everything's happening. It's just it's this hilarious like tracking shot that follows him. Uh, it's just some of the peak hilarity in this movie, which is this giant kind of you know gory horror movie mix of three Studios humor that works so successfully and shows it's off just how the... great of a physical actor Bruce Campbell is. Exactly, and it's so rare that a movie hits the comedy and horror spots so well. I mean, you got like Shaun of the Dead, maybe, and uh, you know, um, some a few others. But I mean, this is like the pinnacle of that I can think of of combining horror and comedy. Uh, Maxwell, what's the next film on your list? Okay, so the cover of the Blu-ray for my next film says it's Jaws Gone Wild. And I myself can think of no better way to describe Alexandra Aha's Piranha 3D. Ooh. Um, His best movie. (laughs) This movie is pure trash. Okay? Pure trash. But it is so fun. And it is so, like, self-aware and so joyous and so gory that you can't help but fall in love with it. Like... It, it's just a joy from start to finish. I mean, you have Eli Roth in there in a role, and Adam Scott, and another Ving Rhames appearance on this uh, this list. Christopher Lloyd, you even have Richard Dreyfuss in there for the the Jaws reference. Jerry O'Connell. It, yeah, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell. Like it, it's just so much fun. It uses it uses the 3D really well in a in a gimmicky fashion, and and it's just like buckets of blood and. 
you know, I, I'm like hate myself that I find it so fun, but it, but it's so much fun. At least you're not talking about their follow up to it, which which proved that you could only catch lightning in a Once. bottle. Yeah, that, yeah, we don't need to talk about that movie, but we could keep talking about this one for a bit because it is a lot of fun. Yeah. See, Adam yeah. Scott's cheerfulness as he plays like, like, uh, is he a, is he even a scientist or he's just like the? Oh yes, yeah, he's like he's like one of the divers, right? And he like he has like a shotgun and a jet ski at one point. And he's like, yeah, I got to shoot piranhas. Like, there's just such a, like a, yeah. a no holds bar approach to how to remake Piranha, which is already like a silly movie to be, you know, Joe Dante's Piranha, which is already silly to mm-hmm. begin with. And it's like, well, let's do what we can and. Yeah, I I'm not a huge fan of Alexander Aha, so like I was not, I, I was going in this very apprehensive like, okay, well here's another one of these guys, this guy's movies, and I was very satisfied. Well, <laughs> you know, so many of his movies, like his He'll Have Eyes, which I know has some fans, are just like relentlessly grim, mm-hmm. and and make you feel dirty. And this takes such the opposite approach. It's just, it's just light and funny and and still super violent but like intention in the exact opposite way of the other ones yeah uh no his films yeah like i was not a fan of high tension or hot tension and mm-hmm. then the hills have eyes was like while well, you said it was a bit grimmer it was almost like what's the point it was like beat for beat the same damn film yeah I, and then this no, this no. was like oh awesome yeah, Hills Have Eyes bugged me. I, it was not a, and a lot of people loved it. And I, yeah, I, I was not a fan. I, I wish I could share their enjoyment, but man, I just saw, what's the point of this? Like, the best thing Hills Have Eyes did was get really good performances out of Ted Levine and Kathleen Quinlan, where I'm like, well, I like these people too much, and it's really horrible what happens to them. <laughs> like, I, I, I cannot stand this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, Piranha, though. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> and they, they had a great marketing campaign for that movie as well, like the the Oscar push that they were trying to do or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. I for your consideration. Yeah. And boy, Richard Richard Driver's much has got a good paycheck for like the hour of filming that he does. Where he's even like he's even, isn't he like humming the Jaws that like the uh, show yeah. me the way to go like he's just humming it. <laughs> it's like this is so overt. Look, I I just have so much appreciation for a film that knows exactly what it wants to be, as silly as that may be, and like hits its mark, and that's what how I feel about this one. Uh, Chuck Russell was originally going to direct this film, by the way, too. Interesting. Um, yeah, but he <laughs> couldn't do it, I guess. Um, Brandon, what's your what's your next pick? Okay, I'm going to go in a, a manner that's similar to Jim's. And it's going to sound strange, but bear with me here. But uh, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Huh. Okay. This is kind of almost like The Force Awakens of a kind of sequel, where it's the 10th anniversary of the original Halloween. They bring Michael Myers back. And essentially, this plot is similar but different to the original, whereas... Um, there's things that are, are familiar but take different turns in ways. Uh, whereas, like, you know, that there's the, the babysitter, but this time Tommy Doyle is a uh, little sibling to the babysitter. Um, they, they go by a costume store, and, you know, we get to see inside and watch Michael Myers break in and, and get the mask when they're there. Um, there's just a lot. There's the sheriff's daughter um, ends up, being like the uh, Tina or the Linda character from the first one, and they're not friends. So there's a love triangle with a boy crush, who's basically like the, almost like the Bob. 
Um, but then we're in a cool twist. Like, yeah, Michael Myers, you know, it, it begins with him escaping from a hospital transport, which is what he did in the original as well. Um, but in a nice twist, it ends where the original kind of began with the little kid in the clown outfit stabbing uh-huh. somebody out of nowhere and stuff like that. But essentially, this is a tribute kind of film to the original um, going right in its footsteps where it's a sequel like evil, you know, like evil did too, but you're kind of going through the same thing again to set up maybe future adventures where, um, the original kind of wasn't supposed to be left off for that. The intention with this one was to, uh, start afresh, um, kind of redo the original and set it off for future sequels, which it did. But, um, it is like this time I was watching, I, I watch it, you know, this is one of the sequels I try to watch every year. And this time I'm watching it. I'm like, man, this is kind of like, you know, Force Awakens, Evil Dead 2-ish of what they're trying to do with this movie um, in comparison to where other sequels... Granted, it's a slasher. Every slasher's got a similar presence, but this one really feels um, akin to the original without trying to out and out, like, hey, remember this? Wink, wink. But it is following in that same path. That's Yeah, I've never really considered it that way. And I guess you haven't either until recently. So, But, yeah, that's a, that's a that's pretty astute observation that it does kind of match up to. I mean, I mean, there's a lot more little nitpicky details that I noticed, too, with that. But I went just more with the general ones to talk about because I'm sure many people might not be as familiar with Halloween 4 uh, as I am. But, yeah, I was noticing, like, lines, character beats. Like, it's, just, it's, it's very interesting how, you- how similar it is. Do you like the mask in this one? I forget. It's grown. Um, there are worse. Five's got the worst mask. That mask is just terrible. Uh, uh, the re- I mean, Resurrections. Resurrections is <laughs> it, Resurrections is better than Five. Five's got like a huge neck for some reason that always has bothered me, and the super long face. Resurrection has this huge head of hair and looks like Michael's like. On well, the eyes, the it's the eyes up. that bug me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah. the, well, four is the weird four is like that really white one. Like it just, it, yeah, it kind of gets to me. I don't know. <laughs> but we've yeah. debated this because I like five a lot more than you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, the mat mask wise, yes, it's not the not the best mask. This is not the thing we should be talking about right now. <laughs> but I right, like, yeah. find it interesting. Uh, but no, four four is. I mean, you know me. I like the the Halloween franchise among the kind of granddaddy of slasher. Um, between you know that Freddy and Jason, I'm a Halloween fan most of all. But uh, yeah, no, four's a four's a solid one. And you guys are really trying to test my limits on the uh, the rules for horror remakes. <laughs> but, well, I just oh, well. an interesting spin, and maybe no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, there's no rules. I'm going to say, I'm gonna have to really argue my last pick then. <laughs> oh boy, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to what this is going to be. Okay. <laughs> uh, but no, that's a I. I, I'm still I'm still kind of selecting the movies I want to watch around you know around around Halloween. I have my ha- my I have my Halloween day movies I want to watch, but like I I I've been I haven't watched all the Halloween movies in a while because I watched them when that giant Scream Factory box set came out. So I'm kind of like I should watch some of these. I I, I generally watch at least one, but I haven't watched four and five in a while. Um, looking forward to it though because I do like these. Uh, yeah, you kind of gotta watch four and five together. They, I mean, as as much as as inferior as five <laughs> is to four and some of the other ones, it's they just kind of it's a nice back to back. It is. I, I one day uh, two three years ago, I, whenever that box set came out, I watched them all in twenty four hours, and then I died and was resuscitated, and it was a great day. Oh jeez! Yep. Huh. Wow. Re- resurrection. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> that was indeed a reference to. 
yeah, Buster Rhymes and all that. Danger Entertainment. Kill a shock. I hope they bring him back for the next one. They got Jamie, they got Jamie Lee. They're probably still waiting on Buster to return. I'm telling you, Danny McBride has him on the phone constantly. He's like, "Yo, Buster, we're gonna get you." Here. Michelle Williams or bust. Yeah, Michelle. You bring back Michelle Williams. Bring back uh, Paul Rudd. It's the Fast Five of the Halloween franchise. It should. <laughs> bring back Ira. LL Cool J. LL, yeah. Bring back LL. Bring back Joseph Gordon-Levitt, even though he died, because yep. why not? <laughs> There's no continuity in these films. No. It's tenuous at best. Um, all right. The, uh, <laughs> the next pick on my list is Fright Night. I really like Fright Night and it still baffles me that during the vampire craze when all the Twilight movies were coming out that Fright Night was like the one film that failed as a remake as like a movie <laughs> like it did not do well with the box office like why did this one not do it, it came out like in mid-August when there's not much competition around you ha- you have this great Colin Farrell performance as Jerry Jerry the vampire I'm taking it over for Chris Saran. Like he, he's great in this movie. Like it's such a, it's such a great like you know kind of the kind of performance you want from a vampire that's being able to you know kind of seduce and take in people to to his its lair, which happens to be a Las Vegas home. Anton Yelchin is great in this movie. Um, uh, David Tennant's great in the Roddy McDowell role. Uh, Imogen Boots and Christopher Mintz Plasset. Like the, it's a, it's a really good cast. The movie's really well made. It was in 3D, which I actually I like the 3D in this movie. Like I, I and there's it, a Children of Men tribute tribute in there. It does. It has a it has a really, really, really a big long CG take in there. That's like I don't know why that was necessary, but it looked cool. Like it, it's, <laughs> it it was a really solid film, but I just I don't know why it didn't take off more. Uh, but I really like it. It's a really fun movie to watch. Like it has. It captures this a lot of the same mood that I think the original Fright Night has. Fright Night, by the way, I do really like I the uh, the original uh, from Tom Holland. Uh, I think it has some terrific practical effects in there, um, which I think we talked about on the uh, Child's Play commentary. I think go underrated as far as thing transformations you're seeing, which are coming out around the same time as the where you know like the American Werewolf in London and uh, Howling and whatnot. Like there is like some some really good vampire effects in Fright Night as well. Where it's like oh well. Uh, but yeah, this one, this remake, really, just really fun, really, really entertaining film. I uh, I remember who was it? Someone was saying Tony Collette. It was mad because they wasted Tony Collette in that movie. But I was surprised that she got taken out as early as she was. And who knows? Maybe she was doing the director or someone on there a favor, or just wanted to be a part of it. I don't know. Oh well, yeah, I mean it's not about her character. Like I I, I, get, but, I get it as far as like all right, well she's just not kind of in this, but it's like it's just the mom. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I liked it right now, and it got a sequel, which yes, is yeah. a remake again. Yes, kind it's, of. It's weird. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun movie. It had horrible 3D, at least for the screening I saw. But um, it still didn't kill the movie for me. I, I really liked it. It works at home. Like, I've watched it, I have the free 3D Blu-ray at home, and it's like, it's one of those that works better in a home in a home viewing, for some reason, for me at least. Like, it just, I like the, it has, like, that dusty vampire effect, where I think they get yeah. killed, and it's, it, it works. But, like, yeah, no, it's, it's a good one. Like, it's, yeah, it, it's I, a fun movie. It, it, 
Yeah, it, it gets this, it grabs the spirit of the original, modernizes it, does its own thing, and goes beyond where the the first film did. I think that you know, the first act and then some is pretty much the first movie, and then they keep going beyond that. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And, and it's another one where it feels like you, where even though there's, it's not like a you know big social commentary going on in the first Friday night, but it's one where it's like the premise is so good where it's like, yeah, remake this movie. I, I can see that. Like, yeah. T- Here's a, it's a fun vampire movie premise. I'd rather see, you know, another take on Fright Night than, like, Near Dark. It's like, no, Near Dark right. is, you know, the, you don't really do that again. There's nothing to do with that. So, like, but Fright well, Night, it's like, yeah. Well, that, that, Near like, Dark is perfection, so. And, yeah, no, Brandon, it's, the, uh, the, se- no, no, yeah. the, the sequel to Fright Night, the, the sequel they made, it is a remake, which is really strange. It's like, they call it Fright Night <laughs> 2, but it's it's just like, it's the same characters in, like, Romania. It's like, why did this happen? This is so yeah. weird. Um, oh, this movie, like, also the, the David Tennant, uh, oh, what's his name? Peter Vincent character. Peter Vincent, yeah. uh, like, that's one of the biggest challenges in modernizing it, is, like, what, how, what kind of take, or how do you do this character that's in the same vein, but, you know, we don't have horror hosts anymore. That's kind of a thing of the past, and I was a genius take on it i think they really crack the story with you know just figuring out him yeah make him a, Ve- a vegas magician right that was like yeah <laughs> yeah and it and the vegas setting is perfect too like the way they do that where it's like mm-hmm. all right I, that's it's very clear it, there's just a lot of cleverness in this movie that is, i felt felt went unappreciated underappreciated but uh all right jim what's the what's the last pick on your list well, uh, it's gonna take a little bit of explaining. Okay. Uh, I like to watch Sven, I like to watch Sven Gulli sometimes on the Saturday uh, Saturday nights. He would show us like a lot of the old Universal movies, and one uh, night he showed uh, Son of Frankenstein, starring Basil Rathbone. Um, I thought so, about doing that. So what? No, I didn't. I didn't pick Son of Frankenstein. Though. Oh, he didn't. Yeah, it's still no. going. Let the story go. No. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, as I'm watching Son of Frankenstein, I realized that uh, shot for shot, shape for shape, note for note, almost scene for scene, that Young Frankenstein is a remake of Son of Frankenstein, including <laughs> the dart throwing scene, the woman on the staircase with the, with the. I mean, I could go through and name scenes in Young Frankenstein that are reproduced. From Son of Frankenstein, including the part of the beginning in the uh, in the uh, medical theater where he's talking to the young doctors, all those are taken from Son of Frankenstein with Basil Rathbone. So my final pick is going to be Young Frankenstein, and it's kind of cool that it shows like in the 30s and 40s, Frankenstein was the height of horror. It was something that that frightened everyone, and then by the 70s, when Mel Brooks made Young Frankenstein, they were all things you know uh, to be made jokes of. I mean, they'd totally gone 180 from you know, thing. I mean, and, and again, they've been using you know comedic effect before. I mean, with you know Abbott and Costello meet the Frank, Frankenstein and um, you know the monsters and things like that. But to to see the turnaround from something that's just abjectly you know um, causing fear to something that is you know a, an object of humor um, just shows like how the culture changed over the time. And again, it is a remake. It's just remade for comedy. Well, so. and. Well, Brooks said he like wanted to make a film that felt like it was like the lost sequel to mm-hmm. it. I mean, while he wanted to make a comedy and parody a lot of things with it, he wanted it to feel like it just followed right in there after. after well, he used a lot of the a lot of the original equipment. He was saying yeah. from the Universal set, he used a lot of the you know the set dressing, a lot of the stuff. And like I said, if you watch Son of Frankenstein, there are definitely scenes in there. I, it was amazing to me because I was watching it on Sven I'm like. Because I know Young Frankenstein so well, I'm just like, 
wait a minute, this is like just like Mel Brooks. And sure enough, you know, I, I went back and watched it and it is in its own way a remake. So uh, that was that's my last pick. And I mean, it's a comedy classic, obviously. I mean, I can't say anything. But offhand, I list Dylan yeah. Frankenstein as one of the greatest comedies ever made. So it's you know, oh, me too. Convincing me a much movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I totally agree. It, but uh, it's it is a. I mean, it's an. It's also a testament to see, like you know, from source material, how how far you can go with the remake to make something totally different. For sure. Yeah. And this is another example of great cast, like. There's oh, not a there's not a weak link here. Like this is just everybody, even Gene Hackman. Obviously, when you have Gene Hackman <laughs> yeah, like, like, you know, like a bit part, you know, you know that this is a great cast. You know, yeah. But um, Gene Wilder, who this was like his baby. Like as much as uh, Mel Brooks really adhered to making a a very authentic film, like this was like all Gene Hackman was like, I I want to do this. He like he wrote he basically wrote the script Mel Brooks you know got this like a co-writing credit but like this is like the thing he really wanted to do and take it as seriously as po- obviously it's a comedy but he plays it completely straight like that's the, and it's just genius this movie it just has everything going for it as far as being a authentic Frankenstein movie but like you say it just kind of has you know puts the pushes the needle a few degrees in a different direction and suddenly it's funny but uh it's terrific <laughs> oh yeah uh Maxwell what's the last film on your list um, I'm trying to decide what to do here. Um, but I feel like I have to go with nostalgia as opposed to, um, my other choice because it's the last one. And so for that reason, I am going to choose the 2005 remake of House of Wax. Oh, oh cool. Was okay. Yeah. Um, I like that one. Sure. You know, it's a fairly standard slasher. Um, but it came out, you know, during my last month of high school. And I remember going to see it with like six of my best friends. And for some reason, I don't know if it was just because of the timing, like it coincided with close to graduation or what. It just became this like event we were planning for weeks. And I sort of feel like it's it's like this uh, time capsule of the mid 2000s. If you look at the cast with like Alicia Cuthbert and Chad Michael Murray, Jared Padalecki, Paris Hilton, it's like all of these actors from WBTV shows or other similar stuff. Um, Robert Richard from uh, cousin, my cousin Skeeter. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's a super super loose remake, um, and it's a fairly typical hillbilly. Uh, slasher film you know in the vein of hills have eyes or wrong turn but it's not it's not so bad it hits its notes fairly well um and it just has this special place for me because of what i associate it with um it also has a really good score by john ottman who's also a director and editor works with brian singer a lot and it was one of the earlier films by I don't want to butcher his name. Yom Colette Sarah. Yom. Yom. Yom Colette Sarah. Um, he's yes. gone on to have quite uh, uh, a good career with Liam Neeson, and I'm also a big fan of The Shallows. Um, and you can certainly see, I find him to be a very style, stylish filmmaker, certainly see some of the early stylish choices he makes. Um, but, yeah, for a, a horror movie remake starring Paris Hilton, it's, it's fairly enjoyable. I remember she was selling shirts that said, watch Paris Hilton die in the House of Wax. <laughs> uh, was coming out. Uh, this movie is uh, I, I, I had it uh, yeah I had it noted on my backup list 
uh, for good reason because it is a director's movie like this is this yeah. is a great like this fits right in this brandon would you agree this fits right in with like if, you, if this came out like in the 1980s you would this would work as far as like not necessarily super inventive from a plot or character standpoint but as far as the kind of effects go like it's a technically yeah. great film like i think it, yeah you know, it, it um it, it's funny because it came out in the remake um boom but it, it's kind of feels like one of the last uh gaps that like the the scream influence type yeah. things too it's i mean past it but it's got more of that vibe with the slick looking remake slasher yeah, it, it has style to spare for sure, and there there's and like because it's being the house of wax, it does have a creative bent for the killer. Like it's pretty silly as far as like this yeah. guy and what the amount of effort he's putting into the things he's doing. But there is like there's like one character that gets turned into like a wax figure, and it's sad. Like you feel bad for this person because he's like he's still like alive, but he can't do anything, and like parts of him get like chopped off and stuff and you're like and he's you can just see like he's clearly suffering and this is horrible <laughs> but it's very yeah. inventive in the way that it's doing this like it's it's there's some good stuff here yeah it was surprised me I, it's a movie that you feel like you are just ready to not like just upon hearing things but it's actually pretty solid yeah, it, it it hits the bare minimum as far as what it's doing, but it's still like <laughs> there's a there's a funness to the for, to the technical aspects of it. I think for sure. Yeah, it's it's odd. I frequently see it on lists of like worst horror remakes, and I'm like, I'm not going to even this, watch it. I'm not going <laughs> to call this a, a great movie, but it, it for me it, it's it's much more successful in what it sets out to do than a lot of these other awful ones, and uh, can't not uh, mention Brian Van Holt who. Yeah. Um, in a dual role. <laughs> yes, a dual <laughs> Who um, I really enjoy um, and is, is good in, in this movie. So, yeah, I mean, another, uh, my final pick, House of Wax. Yeah. Which is actually a remake of a remake. There's like three different House of Waxes that share the title and not much else. Again, it's a concept that's like seemingly like, how does this work? Well, let's try. And they do. <laughs> it's like, all right, this is the, this is this version of it. Um and wax figures are inherently scary. So if they wanted to make another House of Wax remake that's about, like, Madame Tussauds coming to life in the middle of the night in Times Square, like, I'd watch that. Well, it could okay. now, especially because, like, the, the 50s version is in 3D. It's like, well, they could make a 3D version of House of Wax now. Like, that would work. Oh, out. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Brandon, what's your last pick? Uh, yeah, I've got a couple that are, like, very similar to previous picks. So I'll go with uh, my last pick will be The Last House on the Left. Ah, that was also on my back. That was... Uh, the, uh, yeah, this one, you know, you're like, you know, why would we make that or something like that? But they, man, this is, if, uh, if the original, um, Last House on the Left is the, the real filmed events, then this is the like really awesome movie made off of it. Mm. That makes sense. Cause while the original, yeah, it is grim and gruesome. It does have those like the cops, cops, um, and then the home alone ending, of, of the film, which is a lot of Wes Craven movies have booby traps and stuff. Yeah, within the first nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's a common theme, and he's he is admitted to stuff like that. Uh, but uh, this one got Garrett um, Delahunt. Uh, Delahunt, yeah, he's frightening in this. I I just I this one shouldn't work, or it's something that just like why would you make that? But of course, everything was getting remade with a name on it. And this one I thought turned out very well. And the the 
big moment of the rape or whatever, man, you feel just gross after watching that. And I think that, you know, it reflects the characters too. Just like, oh, that was nasty. Well, it was nasty in the first one. It's like gro- it's bad in a different way in this one. Uh, it doesn't like glorify it or try to like shine on the moment where a remake could make that mistake of like, oh, here it is that you know moment you remember. Uh, it, but it it makes it more challenging because um, Sarah Paxton's character she lives as opposed yeah. to um, the original where the character not only you know gets raped and beaten all this stuff she dies after that like it is yeah. and so it's the by having her live in the remake which i do like also i do think it's as far as you know being effective for what it's trying to do i do think it um it has a benefit of making things more morally complex by having the the, the parents react and how they do like go about the way they do um it, as far as getting revenge on the people that did this horrible thing um it, it makes the it doesn't make the ending um easy to swallow necessarily if you know what i'm saying like it, it has a right it has some ideas on his mind of what we're supposed to think of these people that get went after these people that harm them in some way. And I do like the original Last House on the Left. But I did, it, it tends to be one that I call one of my favorite Wes Craven films, even with the kind of yeah, the, the the cop stuff that's like really stupid humor. Out of place. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really tonally imbalanced. I mean, it's like yeah. Craven's like first major film, so it's, it's it's it has some amateurness to it. And we've talked about my his first non porn. Yeah. Um. It, it's. It's yeah, but the but yeah the remake I I did admire uh, certainly more than the Hills of Eyes remake where it just that has really nothing. This to is offer. the only what good remake of his property, right? Of Wes Craven films, uh, yeah, yeah, because Nightmare's horrible, <laughs> horrible. Yeah, uh, I sort of I sort of dread the inevitable Scream remake. I th- I feel like because they did the t they're doing the TV show which more or less works. Uh, yeah, I like the show. I think they they've kind of avoided that, especially with the the advent of things like Cabin in the Woods and other movies that have kind of taken on the the sarcasm or the the inherent like knowing qualities of these things. It, sure enough. I'm trying to think whether was what other ones have been re- people under the stairs. People under the, yeah, I don't think that's coming back. <laughs> Vampire, Deadly friend. Vampire. That was Brooklyn, um... Vampire in Brooklyn too. They remade that in uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> new, new nightmare. New, new nightmare. <laughs> um, M- music of the hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep. They get, uh, what's her name? They get uh, Grace Gummer. <laughs> her daughter. Uh, or, or, or Mamie. Or Mamie. Nothing wrong with Mamie Gummer. I, I can't tell which one's which a lot of the time. Uh, one's on Mr. Robot. That's what I know. One was right. on The Good Way. One is in Francis. Ha- I don't know. Yeah, one's one's her one's her daughter in um, the rock star one. Uh, what's it? Oh, uh, uh, I like that movie. Um, yeah, it's good. Oh God, uh, it's like something and the <laughs> Ricky and the for Flash. For some reason, Ricky and the thank Flash. You. For some reason, all I could think was Gem and the Holograms, and I was like, <laughs> that is not the right one. <laughs> yes, yeah, Ricky and the Flash. That's a good movie. Rich Springfield's good in that movie. He is. <laughs> it's like he's like he's okay. True Detective season two's uh, Rick Springfield. Exactly. Yeah, that one. Um, all right, let's move on. <laughs> my the last film on my list. Um, I was gonna do one thing, but then Jim went Evil Dead two, so I'm like, I don't want to do another Evil Dead film. Which that's I where I went. Yeah, yeah, that's where I went. With that. Um, so I'm gonna do another one, just because you guys are like all going all out to test the bounds of horror remakes. I'm gonna say Lights Out. Oh. Well. Uh, Lights Out, which came out last year. Um, 
2016, uh, was a surprisingly really solid horror film that was a remake of that director's own short film. Uh, obviously expanded <laughs> to a greater extent oh. that has actual characters and a storyline. But I'm counting it, because why not? It's good. And That's it does... more legitimate than some of this other nonsense. And it... <laughs> <laughs> and, and it does, like, remake the basic premise, where, you know, you turn the lights out, and suddenly there's this thing here. You turn them back on, and it's gone. Turn them out, and it's closer. Like, it's a very clever horror setup that should not work for a film that lasts longer than three minutes, and yet it really does. Uh, the David F. Sandberg, the director, who also directed uh, Animal Creation, Colon Creation this year, which was also... Bet much better than it needs to be. Um, he's I, I'm looking forward to what he does with Shazam, which is the next movie he's attached to because he showed some real promise as a director, and as a I mean he didn't write the script for Lights Out, but like the the work done to make this story work is quite effective. Like it gives you characters uh, that are actually going through a a plot that works as far as like uh, uh, people that are kind of, you know that are. Uh, one suffering from mental illness there's depression like there's there's actual adult themes in this movie in the midst of being like a a, a grimy horror film that's that that take that has a very simple idea of don't turn lights off or a thing comes at you like it's just really really well made yeah i i like the film a lot too i remember being impressed by the depth and handling of the characters um, the care they put into the relationships, mm-hmm. and the fact that, generally speaking, compared to a lot of other horror films, that I never really felt anyone acted stupidly. Like, yeah. the characters make some really smart choices, and without giving too much away, I love the gag with the car keys. Exactly, yes. Which yeah, is just yeah, such yeah. a great moment that made me sort of cheer in the theater. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a great choice and, and really a smart choice. Because it was a remake of a short film. He also has a couple other shorts of his that appear on the Annabelle uh, colon creation uh, dash Blu-ray plus DVD plus ultraviolet digital copy combo pack release that came out. <laughs> well, that's actually pretty cool because I've had, I have heard that he's he's tried to cut some of those. I believe are in turnaround. Like they're actually going to be trying yeah. to turn some of him and him and his somewhere. wife made a lot of like I yeah. think horror shorts. Yeah. But, yeah, and that one that one was a big notable. That obviously became a movie, so he hasn't had some notice. He, but like, him and Mike Flanagan, I think, are two of the most intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Up and coming horror directors, and I find some similarities in them and their career trajectories. Um, For sure. So, it's cool. But yeah, lights. Yeah, and you mentioned the car keys thing. That is a great moment in the film, and there's. As far as you know, the character work, mm-hmm. it works in the same way where I, the, like the best horror movies work, where, or the, sorry, the best zombie movies work, where the zombies are one thing, but give me a movie about really strong characters and like a storyline that I can like kind of attach myself to, and you get those are the best kind of zombie movies. I like this one follows that suit. And obviously, it's not a zombie movie, but like it has the kind of well, we have a small budget and we have to fill eighty minutes of time. What do we do? And they doubled down on character study, apparently, because it really yeah. pays off. And yeah, so, there's like, some good family drama with uh, yeah. Teresa Palmer herself and then with her mother. Like, there's there's more going – like, we're invested in their regular drama. It's like, oh, God, right. now they have to deal with this damn thing that when the lights turn off. Yeah, like, it's not – because it's not a yeah. high-body count film. Like it, No, you know, and it, it's no. not that long either, but it uses its time really wisely. Yeah. It's far, um, it makes the most of all of its minutes. Far better than it, you know, needed to be. But, sure. But, but, but quite good. No, I like that movie a lot, yeah. Good call, Aaron. Thanks, Maxwell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, okay, so now we're going to do this. So we've, we've gone through movies that I think we all like. Um, we're now, I, I figured, why not? Why don't we all kind of highlight 
the horror remake that we think is like the worst that we've ever seen. Okay. Um, so, Jim, what, what's the what's your pick for the worst one that you've ever seen? I gotta go with the Wicker Man, dude. Oh, <laughs> I, that was one of mine. <laughs> the bees. I, I had so not the bees. No, not the bees. Um, I have quite a few chosen for this, but I had to choose the Wicker Man above all because this movie is just so incredibly bad. And the original is kind of a cool psychological horror movie with Christopher Lee, and I mean, actually has a little menace to it, and this. Kind of, kind of cool, and then this movie is just laughable. Um, the last twenty minutes make for a good highlight reel, though. <laughs> See, I, for all the wrong reasons, for all the wrong. Yeah. Reasons. I mean, this is like the most likely to be riff tracks movie I can think of. You know, I, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't already. Been, like, if it hasn't been, it really it's should. Because be. It's because it's only good for the last twenty minutes. The f- the first. It's Two acts of this are dull and boring, and then it once he jump kicks that woman into the wall, and then hits people, <laughs> off, hits people off bikes with a bear suit on and stuff like it kicks into gear. Last twenty minutes of this are hilarious, but uh, building up to it is a slog. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Whole, I, whole, I mean, from N ten, not a good movie. Yeah, is this who's is it Neil? Is it Neil? Neil LeBoot, which Neil I'll Leboot. say yeah. is. Karma. Sorry. Black Anyways. Chicks director Neil LeBoot. <laughs> I, which is he's such a good playwright. He's so I don't get it. He's got it. I mean all these all I mean Ellen Burstyn, Francis Conroy, all should know they should know better to be in this movie. <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is this was one of my picks for sure because I hated this movie. Like I know it's oh, it has sure. this it has this strange cult following now where people love how bad it is and people embrace thatness and it's like no like i was so frustrated in theaters what is like because just it was clearly like re-edited a bunch of times so it just it it makes very little sense as it's going along it feels just so out of place in what it's trying to do and yeah the the original wicker man is such a great film on its own where it's like ah this is just the pits (laughs) yeah (laughs) essentially the same story but i mean where the original Wicker Man gets under your skin. This one gets under your skin in a completely different way. <laughs> Not a good way. <laughs> Maybe that's the horror of it all. But yeah, that's my choice. It's the Wicker Man. It's just it's so bad. Oh. Maxwell, what's your pick? Um, so I think one of the biggest sins a movie can commit is just being like relentlessly dull. And that's why my pick is the 2008 remake of Prom Night. Yes! Like so- oh, man relentlessly dull i mean this movie manages to make idris elba boring it's like just nothing happens not a a single interesting character like nothing scary no violent nothing that you want in a horror movie it's just boring and dull and slow and weak and awful and terrible and i hate it and I know I'm not really like Britney Snow, but she's unlikable as hell in that movie. I, yeah, I mean the thing of it is too is like the original is not that good of a movie to begin with. So no. you know, remaking movies that aren't that great to begin with could be a recipe for success or improvement. But it's like let's take this eh original and make just an even worse remake. I remember being so angry. I was like, okay, so now the horror is going to kick in and something's going to happen. Nope. Now screen nope. screen gems, which they they just make terrible horror movie like they did the stepfather and basically prom nighted that one too mm, i just don't understand what anyone was thinking but you're right the original is no great shakes either i think it was like the first slasher movie jamie lee did after uh, halloween yeah and it had i mean it's 
it's got one of the killer like holiday titles that that gets associated with like prom night. Oh, yeah. that's a that's a good horror title. But I actually I enjoy prom night two more than I, I do was prom say, night you one. Like the sequel, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I like the sequel more. It, I, it, the fir- first one is better now that uh, there's a uh, a Cyanabs Films Blu-ray that cleaned mm. it up, and you can actually see what's going on in the damn oh, movie, good. because that movie was so dark. Very dark, yeah, I remember. Could, I remember. That was part of my my problem with it, but it's, it's like you said, Maxwell, it's not as good as it rep, its reputation leads you to believe. I, I just don't understand why it's so... I mean, it seems like such an easy softball to be like, hey, let's have a prom, and someone's killing the kids, and then at the end we'll reveal who did it. It's like, it could be like... Not great, but it seems like an easy premise to pull off. And now well, this twice. is one of those forced PG thirteen. Uh, oh yeah, too. And it's it's not like oh we made a movie and it got rated PG thirteen. This one goes out of its way to. It it almost feels PG at times. I remember thinking it was so like mild in its depiction of anything horror. Yeah, that movie made me angry. Like it takes a lot, and I just did not. That one. Ugh. Yeah, I agree. Generally, if I don't like a movie, I sort of move on. And I remember being angry for days. I was like, that was such a waste. That was me with The Wicker Man. <laughs> <laughs> I have made it all this time without seeing Nicolas Cage in The Wicker Man. Yeah, you're fine. You're I just, intended, watch the highlight reel good. on YouTube. Watch I intend to go, go throughout my days without seeing anything to do with the bees. No, even even the even the highlight reel, like I just get it just reminds me of that experience. Yeah. <laughs> like I just can't do it. And I'm I'm a huge Christopher Lee fan. I I love that first you know, the original. It, just to see that was just like a smack in the face. Uh, Brandon, what's your pick? Uh, the fog. <laughs> oh, I in one primary like I didn't see this in the theater. I I rented it, and uh, I couldn't get through it. Like I had to end up just skim to see what the hell how it was going to resolve because i just could not take watch and i normally finish movies as bad as they are i have a podcast with awful movies i finish them as a man who watches neil breen movies yes i've watched (laughs) neil breen movies multiple times uh with no problem skimming through this i was just like i i have had it i don't care what happens to any like what where do we go from here and i just i had to hit the skim button and just Go with no audio, guessing what happened the rest of the way to get to the end because I, I just could not take it. And I love the original Fog. I had no bias against you know remaking it. Let's see what you could do. But this was just yeah. this effectively killed Tom Welling stars in a movies. That's uh... yeah, Tom Welling, Maggie Maggie Grace left Lost for this movie. So good job. Did she really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. that is that is without doubt the most. Upsetting thing I've heard today. She would, yeah, she I mean, not even. Like, that was. She was gone till then. But yeah. Oh. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, God. Man. That, I, mm. Mm. Another one I have successfully avoided. Yeah, there's a lot of these I've purposely not seen um, just because I. What well, helps Screen Gem produces so many where I'm like, well, I know what to avoid. Um, right. So like I, I never saw the prom night remake because it's like why like I just like, well, I don't know what I, I'm not missing much with the first one so I don't know what I'm missing here. Uh, but no there's a when a stranger calls another one's like I never need to see this like this won't do anything for me um, I've heard the Hitcher's not terrible but at the same time like yeah it's, oh that was, oh I didn't like it's not good I, I didn't like that either yeah it's just I have no desire 
to go for. I, just, I thought the original was such a fun, like, you know, VCR 80s movie, and then for them to remake it with Sean Bean and just kind of take all the fun they out of it. They did remake it with Jake Busey first, so. <laughs> oh, okay. I missed that one. Uh, yeah. I think they just called it The Hitcher 2, but it's basically a remake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but the first one, like, how much of that's Rucker Hour, though? Oh, it's totally Rucker Hour, yeah. It's you not think Sean Bean would be able to do the same thing, but no. Yeah, not really. Is that Platinum Dunes? Did they do that one? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. That's Platinum Dunes. Yeah. That, yeah. that uh, was the one after Amityville, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had, so I did have some options that I was running through to try to pick what I think is the absolute worst that I did actually see. And The Wicker Man was certainly on that short list. Um, something like A Nightmare on Elm Street, which is it's, – it's so regrettable, that movie, where I felt there was so much potential, especially because I'm not the biggest fan of the original Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's like, okay – the idea is there. Like, why not take it on again? And maybe Freddy's we... best friend should have been CGI, and they <laughs> fucking blew it. Like, there were so many odd choices where, like the C, like the CG and like the the wall scene where it's like that's so effective in the original film because it's practical. And it's like, why would you choose that of all things to CG? Like, it, like who looked at that and was like, yep, we definitely recreated that scene and it looks fantastic. Like, you couldn't, do, like, the, it can't be that hard to recreate a scene like that practically, but, man, they went for it. it. It's uh, one of those, one, Maxwell. It's one of those things, like, with, you know, uh, Halloween or the Friday the 13th movies, it, it doesn't so much matter who the actor is playing the, kill, the killer, the character, but Robert England is Freddy Krueger. And as good of an actor as Jackie Earl Haley is, it's just not right having someone else attempt that character. Well, in, in, pra- my- in practice, that proved to be true. But beforehand, I was like, well, we'll see how that goes. Like, that's an interesting way to... Yeah, it was, it was a, a relatively inspired choice. But, yeah, uh, but it just did not pay off. But that's not my pick. My pick is Bernie Psycho. Bernie Mars certainly sat in that. Yeah. <laughs> my pick is Psycho. Um I know it has this weird appreciation nowadays where it's like, well, he did it, <laughs> but I I am not on that train. I, I the, 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 the shot for shot concept of Psycho is, yes, you can call that fascinating, but I can also call it why. Like, there's no, there's, there's no. It's, it's something you do with your friends on the weekend, and then years later it becomes this, like, oh, you did you hear about what Gus Van Sant did back in 99? And then finally they release it for people to see. Yeah, but as yeah. in, like, practice as, like, we're going to release this and it's going to be huge. It's like, this is a terrible thing. And it's not so, it's, it's not, there's one, aside from one performer, it's not the fault of anybody in the film. I think there's some great choices as far as, like, Anne Heche, Julianne Moore. It's Anne, cast Anne, very Anne, good. And Anne, Anne Heche is, yeah. that's that's a bit of a leap for Janet Lee. but uh, Julianne Moore and Viggo, Viggo Mortensen's, like, probably the biggest upgrade because of the, uh, the, uh, the... Right! What, who's the, is it Sam? What's his name? Um, that's gonna bug me. Uh, but the actor that plays that character in the original, it's like, he's probably the, uh, the weakest link in the movie that that I love. That is my favorite horror movie, <laughs> Psycho. Um, but Vince Vaughn is just all wrong in this movie. It is, not, it is. He's just not good. He, he t- on the yeah. outside, it's inspired casting, though. Yeah, it's a good. But, it, in concept, it's like okay, let's see. He can, let's see him, die. especially at that point in his career in the '90s, where he's doing, he's mixing, you know, kind of somewhat comedic but also dramatic roles. It's like okay, we're still trying to figure out what to do with Vince Vaughn. Let's see how he plays in something like this, this creepy, this creepy type role where he can, you know portray a certain kind of identity and it just does not work at all here it's it's all wrong and to the looking at this film it's like once again sure you're a great you're a talented filmmaker you can make this look the way it's looking but god it just it it's so it's the 
it is what the, it's it's unnecessary to say the least like it has so many things that mm-hmm. just it just doesn't belong in existence like that's kind of my thought on the film <laughs> it was funny i went opening night to the movie just you know you know had to see, you know curiosity had you know see what they did and I, I remember being in a rather empty theater for it which is crazy which is uh, as big you know big a name Tycho is as much curiosity as there was to what's going on with this that you know people didn't go see it but uh, was it did was the um dial m for murder remake before this or did that come after with vigo as well <laughs> Oh, oh, oh! Um, what's it called? Uh, Perfect murder. Perfect, Perfect murder. murder. That's ninety-seven. Okay, so yeah, it was so that's before. that's a year before. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, it's it's just yeah, it's very unnecessary. I I do love that uh, they got James Remar to play that cop. That's a or good, was it? Yeah. No, yeah, yeah it's, James. It's James Remar, and then William H Macy is Arbogast. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at the original, you could almost think it was James Remar as the cop. Yeah, no, he's like got it's the almost yeah. identical. It's a, that's a perfect choice. I would agree with that as far as mm. you, the look. Wait, Perfect Murder is ninety eight. Hold on, let's see, ninety eight. So when's the read? Let's see. Now I want to make sure because those mm. letters, those letters that'll come in. Yeah, this you was this was a, this was after it was this the psycho was December. Perfect Murder was June. So you're absolutely right about Vince Vaughn in that role, though. I mean, the, yeah. and I mean, I mean, we could probably think of ten actors off the top of our heads who could have done better with that role in in that kind of remake and yeah beyond unnecessary it just and it's not it's it may be shot for shot but it's not sound for sound because boy did my eyes open when i heard him jerking off to the animation <laughs> in the shower i was like what oh <laughs> well that's um, different i was like I, I, as long as we're talking about this i'd be remiss not to briefly mention uh base motel which by the time it wrapped up did its own sort of remake of psycho far more successfully i think than this attempt Interesting. I, I I wasn't a I didn't watch Bates Motel, so I, I I don't know how it. I knew it was incorporating that the psycho plot into it, but I don't I didn't know how. Yeah, it. yeah I was a a fairly big fan of that show, um, and I in particular really really admired and appreciated what they did when it got to that point in the story. Um, any other uh, any other films you want to mention in general, not just worse, but just ones that you might. Oh. We didn't talk about the, uh, since you mentioned Dawn of the Dead, I didn't mention Night of the Living Dead, the Tom Savini one from 1990. That was not well-liked at the time, but I think has aged very well and found an appreciation. Because I think it it does enough different, takes its own spin on things, and is pretty fun in its own right and updating. And it's done by someone, like, the one dead film Savini didn't touch was the original, so of course he'd remake it. You know. Yeah. Well, but it was done with Romero's blessing and right, yeah. kind of supervising the production of the remake too. Yeah, it's so. even called it's I got, think it's called George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Like I think that was right. yeah. Right. And it's got cool like, you know, <laughs> horror actors like Tony Todd and um oh, uh, Bill Mosley in it. Uh, Patricia <laughs> Tallman's really good, Tom Towles is in it. Um it feels like a, a horror fan's uh good remake of it. it's much, certainly better than night of the living dead 3d we don't need to talk about that yeah. <laughs> cutting you off right there <laughs> i wasn't gonna go any further than that i was just gonna say if you think that's bad you should check this but no i i really like that one yeah um i uh you know i i, I named um king kong in the children's horror list and i did put i put king kong as a backup backup uh, just because it is a remake, then <laughs> I do, I, sure. I do, I do love King Kong. It's just it's not a horror movie anymore. It's more of an adventure film. Um, 
right. adventure romance. Sorry, um, but the um, the Haneke remake of Funny Games. Uh, uh-huh. Funny, funny I, game. had that, I had that as a backup fun, actually. That never occurred to me. That's interesting. Funny Games US, um, which, is, <laughs> which is which is basically shot for shot. I mean, it's it, it's. I mean, it's he him. Remade, it's, he remade the whole movie, him, uh, his own movie. Yeah, he did his own movie again, and it's. I, I have weird feelings because it's a Hannigan film, so they're always complicated. I have weird feelings on the Funny Games movies. I do think they're effective in what they're trying to do, but I just never want to see them ever again. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's very <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah I understand yeah, what you mean. Yeah, it's the kind. It's in concept, it's interesting for the way it's taking something and showing you exactly what you've come to see and, you know, subverting their expectations, but then punishing you for the fact that you did want to see this to begin with. So it's like, it's, if you want to talk about meta movies, you have scream on one hand and funny games yeah. like the opposite end of that spectrum. And it's not fun. Um, right. No, it's not. It's very, very uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Um, yeah. I, I was going to maybe mention quarantine. The rec remake. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is fairly decent. Um, and in terms of terrible ones, and I mentioned this uh, on the Children's Horror episode, I'm still mad at Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'll say about Poltergeist. In my terrible list, I also had a Paul Schrader's Cat People, which is one weird-ass movie. Uh, I know some people are fans of that one. That's I don't mind that. I don't think it's terrible. I, think it, so. I, I, I did a rewatch not too long ago. It was a lot slower than I remember. I mean, it is but, slow. No, it is slow. Um, but I mean, there are decent performances in it, but it just is very, like I said, the pacing is not good in that. It, I mean, it has a great, great soundtrack, but. Somehow I was able to list the two movies that you mentioned, Jim, on your intro. Yeah, I had Crazy Cat Person and House on Haunted Hill in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, as far as worse, I did have The Haunting is also another one. Um, we've talked about it a number of times oh, this yeah. month. Um, it seems to have come up over and over again. And yeah, The Haunting is a terrible movie. <laughs> so, wow. I missed that wow. one. Wow. I, lost my, I lost my head during that. Yeah, Darn. Wow. <laughs> Any other good ones we want to note to go out on the high? <laughs> I think we mentioned The Crazies very briefly, but yeah. Um, yeah. that's a really yeah. solid, um, really like stylishly and you know, accomplished production. Um, and Jim touched upon the Evil Dead remake, which I liked a lot. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the... I, I like all Evil Dead films and TV shows. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that, exactly, that series yeah. has paid off. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. That TV show's been great. I would I would love to see uh, Bruce Campbell and Jane Levy square off. That'd be and, great. Uh, I mean, it could still remake, sequel, hybrid type of situation. It's so Introduce weird, right? Because next season, it well, because it, that movie did well, right? Didn't it? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it had good reviews, and that's the and one good Screen Gems horror office, movie, yeah. right? The one's good Screen right, Gems yeah. horror remake. Well, it's just just because Ramey Taper, Taper and uh, Campbell were Campbell were heavily, heavily involved. involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there were people who were like that movie's just hollow and mean. I'm like, what? What movie? The movie ends in. It raining blood with a chainsaw fight. Oh gosh! And I also wanted to oh mention the um the Exorcist TV show, which I guess oh. is kind of, kind of a remake. The first season it's apparently not... involves certain characters. It's yeah, better. It has to, it's better than you would expect. Exactly. Yeah. It's better than it and, and it's running a second season right now. Yeah. Or yeah, soon, it just started. Yeah. With the uh, sleep yeah. John Cho. 
Yeah. Sleepy Hollow's John Cho. I forgot he was in it. <laughs> right. I forgot he was not, in Sleepy Hollow. Oh my god. That is god. not That's what cool. I think of when I think of John Cho, but well yeah, done. I don't think of when I think yep. of Sleepy Hollow either, but it's on it was on Fox. This show is on Fox. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, what a strange career John Cho has had. Yeah, though I yeah, though the, I've heard a lot of good things about the Exorcist series actually, and I really want to catch up with it. I just I have to find the time, but I've heard it's it's a good sub, it's a good substitute for Hannibal good. apparently. Like since Hannibal got canceled, it's like this is a good Hannibal. you know thing to yeah. have. Oh. Hannibal, if we're talking TV sort of remakes of, of movies, Hannibal is super right. Mm-hmm. Just herb. Um. All right. Well, I think we've run the gamut on this uh, as far as kind of our opinion on horror remakes. A lot of good ones that if you you know haven't seen before or heard about and were maybe a little dismissive, maybe you want to go check some of these out because we've certainly recommended a lot of what I consider to be really good films. Um some great films obviously um i know and by the way i know if a jimmy o friend of the show and frequent guest on these horror episodes is here he'd mentioned the town that dreaded sundown uh, so i'll just give that a brief mm. shout out as well because um, that uh, uh, that sequel slash that sequel slash remake did uh is one that made on last has an impression on jimmy and he does like it quite a bit and i do think it's good shout out to uh, impractical jokers <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop it right now <laughs> he's not here <laughs> but no i i think we've uh had a good discussion about this, including some of the, those worst ones that we don't need to mention ever again. Um, this but, will be the last time they're ever mentioned in the world ever. So. Yep, we've we've made that decree. I won't even say them again. That's so how it works. Mind. That's how it works on the show. But yeah, that with with that that's con- <laughs> that concludes this month's and this year's uh, set of horror specials. This is a lot of fun to do. Uh, Brandon, I know you were able to join me for every episode, so I you know obviously I thank you for being here with um, for all that. And Max, we've been on for the past couple of episodes, and Jim, it's been great. Uh, you know, to hear your voice on one of these too. Well, what a voice he has! Thank you. I know we'll, we'll be discussing what what to come up with next year because we've we've done a lot of these now. This is like what our fourth set of five horror themed episodes, so we're gonna have to come up with some creative ideas for next year. But well, this is fun. It's time for your own remakes of your own episode. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's yes. that, that'll be the first <laughs> yeah, the, the re- remake of the first episode. But in, in the meantime, uh, where can people find more of your guys' work online? Uh, Brandon Peters. Uh, Colt Cinema Cavalcade. This is coltcinemacavalcade.com. We have a Halloween episode coming on Halloween. That'll be fun. And I also have the Don't Flinch podcast, which for more information, go to Don't Flinch on Facebook, uh, don'tflinchpodcast.com, or find our Indiegogo page and donate, because that helps. I've listened. I listened to it today, or the other day. Yesterday? Oh. Seven and, seven and a half minutes or so? Good stuff. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a demo pilot thing that uh, kind of gives you an idea of what we want to go, where we want to go with it. So, uh, Maxwell Headed. Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. And of course, if you go to Maxwell's Chop House, you, if you mention our show, you get a oh, free, free, a free glass of water with a lemon wedge. We got okay. to throw that Whoa. in there. Whoa! <laughs> right. How can you afford that deal? <laughs> uh, Mr. Go Jim Deeks. The... Just gonna keep it up with that, huh? I like the Aaron and Abe potato skins. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Deeks, not... where can people find more of your work? When I asked, the kitchen said they were out now. Oh, oh, yes. oh, oh, can we end it now? You can't see, but I'm uh, running around nothing. the room with my hands you waving just, in the air. You just ended the show. This is it. We have to change. There's a podcast needs to change. This is the final episode out now. Jim closed it perfectly. Wow. You can follow me on Twitter at Yada Jones. You can listen to my podcast at HHWLED.com with The Walking Dead TV podcast with our good friend Aaron Newworth most of the time and a bunch of other 
Uh, people talking about the new episodes of The Walking Dead. New season just started. Kind of eh, start, but hopefully the season will improve as it goes on. Uh, you can also check me out at taylornetworkofpodcast.com. Nothing's on general TV and movies every week with me, Donnie Salvo, and Dara Taylor. And uh, Heavy Gigs in Seaside City. It's a radio play uh, based on an RPG set in the 70s of uh, action movies and TV shows. It's kind of an experimental thing we're working on, but it's pretty cool. Check it out there. You can, of course, find me over at thecodazeek.com. That's where you can find all the collection of things that I do um, writing online. You can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Uh, you can find all the other episodes about Now with Notre Dame, the regular episodes, as well as these fun bonuses over on iTunes, as well as on Audioboom. Feel free to email us your thoughts on horror remakes or anything horror-related that we discussed recently over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, what um, year would be complete without not sending Abe clowns? So please go to our Tumblr page. Out now, podcast at tumblr.com and send you know send send a plenty of clown gifts for him to see and discover at his own pace. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You know you can find our show. Um, Maxwell, Brandon, Jim, thank you again for joining me this evening and uh, for being thank a you. part of this in general. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's been great to have you all. And yeah, we'll we'll see what comes next year when we do more horror episodes. But until then, and until next time when we get back to our kind of regular schedule churning out these bonus episodes but it's been fun until then though until next time so long and goodbye oh shit get up come on get down with the sickness get up come on get down with the sickness get up Come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You mother, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker, get up, come on, get down with the sickness. Madness is the gift that has been given to me. I can see inside you the sickness is rising. It seems that all that was good has died Oh no, the world is a scary place Now that you've woken up the demon in me Bobby, will you give it to me? Two, three, four. Oh, wow. <laughs>